What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean. Happy Monday. What's up, everybody? Welcome in Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Rob Ellis, they're gone. See everybody. What's up, John? What's up, Swing Bowl? What's up, Mood Swing Bella Duck? Philly Sports Hustle. Father Sean checking in. Debo, Steve, I see James. I see Tyler. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great weekend. Philly Gunner, Sports I- Hustle. Yeah. yeah. I know you had a had a fun cap to the uh, to the weekend uh, or to the birthday festivities this past weekend. Yeah, you know it was uh, it was quite entertaining and nonstop. Um, as you know, I told you in the latter part of the week, I found out that you know my family and and friends, including your our friend and colleague Barrett Brooks, mm-hmm. was planning a fishing excursion off of Wildwood to do some flounder and sea bass fishing. Well, Friday, we get the report that uh, because of the weather, the sea swells were seven feet. We had to cancel the trip. But on Friday, so my my oldest daughter comes over and her and my, my other daughter, and my wife, just scrambling, getting stuff ready because I knew they were going to throw a birthday party for me with family and friends on Saturday. Right. So my, my oldest daughter comes over in the afternoon and she keeps telling me, Dad, look, don't look at the front door because your your birthday gift is going to be delivered. And I don't want you to see it until I'm ready. I'm like, okay. Okay. So she keeps telling me this several times throughout the afternoon. I'm like, okay, I heard you. I won't look at the front door. Because usually when I'm leaving to run errands and stuff, you can't help but see the front door. And, you know, UPS, FedEx, Amazon are always at our house delivering packages and stuff. Right. So I didn't leave the house. I stayed around. And so she kept saying that, okay, your, your gift is a half hour away. I'm thinking she's tracking Amazon or FedEx or one of those. 
And, and I'm like, wait a minute, weren't you supposed to be going to the grocery store? She goes, I was, but um, I'm waiting for your gift to get here to make sure you don't see it before I'm ready for you to see it. Okay. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So she, and then she says, okay, dad is 15 minutes away. And I'm like, what kind of gift is this? You know? <laughs> and then finally her and my wife go, okay, your gift is here. So they said, okay, you need to come down the basement, uh, the garage steps. And the garage, it's a two-step going from the garage, from the kitchen to the garage floor. Okay. So I step down. There. So then my wife and my oldest daughter say, okay, close your eyes and we're going to surprise you. I said, okay. You know, so I'm walking around like I'm blind. I'm trying to make, please don't let me trip over something and bust my nose or something like this, right? So I walk out to the driver. They said, turn left. So I turn left. It said, take five steps. I'm like, take five steps. And then my daughter said, dad, we had you come outside to get your gift because we wanted you to carry it in. It's a little too heavy for us. And I'm thinking, okay. Um, and then it's a, all right. And then my daughter's fine. And my wife's okay. Open your eyes. And lo and behold, my brother standing there with his arms open and his goofy look on his face and my nephew. So my brother, had, I didn't, I knew about the fishing trip, but I didn't know my brother and my nephew, my 18 year old nephew came in from Milwaukee. And so they were here to surprise me. And I find out that uh, my family had been plotting this for over two weeks. And then my brother had been talking back and forth with my, with my son-in-law, Josh and Barrett, uh, trying to get this fishing trip together. So he was in on it the whole time, but you know, I hadn't seen my brother in over a year. So we got a little emotional in the driveway there and my daughter's filming the whole thing, you know, oh, and uh, awesome. dude, once he got here, it was a nonstop hit the ground running. We had a big party, like 30 people here. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was just, and what you, one thing you got to know about the gun boys, when, when uh, my brother and I get together, the word maturity, maturity does not exist <laughs> in my family. Uh-huh. And, my, and my wife and kids always look at us like, will you two ever grow up? And the answer is no. You know, we're just class clowns. We get together, we tease each other, we tease if they, and he, he got, it was the first time he got to see his uh, two-year-old, great his almost two-year-old great niece and his almost one-year-old great wow. nephew. Very nice. And they, they gravitated towards him like they've known him forever. And I'm just saying, but that's my brother. Everywhere he goes, people just gravitate towards him. Um, and my brother's not a dog person. The one dog who I've told you guys about that flung dog daycare forever became his best friend. And I'm really? like, my wife, I'm like, look at you. I'm like, my wife, are you seeing this? He's playing with dog on the couch. You're playing tug of war with toy, uh, beat up toys. I'm like, this is not my brother. And my nephew, my nephew loves animals. He has dogs and cats. Yeah. But it like, it's been a great weekend. So my brother and, um, uh, and uh, my nephew are checking out of the hotel right now. They'll be here any minute. And they're going to hang here until about 5 o'clock. Then they got to get to the airport. Yeah. Uh, my brother has a 7.30 flight. My nephew has an 8.30 flight. But it was the best birthday prize present ever. Being with my family, we grilled out. Nice. And, no, and we did the fish tacos, the shrimp tacos. Everything was a perfect weekend, perfect weather, perfect weekend. Kids playing in the yard. We're on the patio deck. Music's going. Food's flying. Just a great day. You know, I love all it, man. I love yeah. it. That's what it's all about. Good. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad to cap a nice cap off to the uh, to the birthday weekend. That's an awesome thing right there. It was it was an eventful sports weekend too. What's up? I see Fitness Rebel uh, sneaking in there. So I, see I see Griffin. I see Brett. Yeah, I see you guys. Um, so uh, Phillies won two out of three over the Cubs. They got good starting yep. pitching and yep. offensively, they jumped all over Chicago on. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Right away. Grand slam from Schwarber and they just kept tacking on. It was, it was, it, it really, if you were going to put a blueprint together 
before the season started, if this is what it's going to look like, it would be that game for sure. And mm. good job out of Taiwan Walker yesterday, who they needed to step up in a bad way. And he did. He stepped up. He pitched well. So Phillies take two out of three. They get the Diamondbacks tonight. Uh, elsewhere, heater up 3-0 Gunner, and they made the Celtics quit like the Celtics made the Sixers quit in that game seven. I mean, Boston straight up laid down last night. And Miami just keeps doing it. That was the most embarrassing loss in the history of Celtics playoff basketball. Seriously. Yeah. I have never seen a Boston team quit like that. They missed 12 consecutive threes. They couldn't hit the ocean all night long. Boston is known for being a very deep, versatile, sharp shooting team. And Miami choked them off on defense. They out defensed them, they outran the floor. They had everybody hitting threes. Miami couldn't miss threes while Boston couldn't make threes. It was one of the most embarrassing Boston exhibitions of basketball I've ever seen, and I've watched this Boston team for decades. Um, I've never seen anything like that. Is Miami that team of destiny this year? Uh, You know, how do you discount them? Like, how do you count these guys out at this point? Um, I I think they're a classic example – of having like an alpha dog, which Jimmy Butler is, uh, having a guy, Bam Adebayo, who's playing great, but having a culture and understanding of who they are. You know, I mean, who they are is is a team that they're incredibly well co- – I think Spolster is the best coach in sports. That goes for football, baseball, basketball, yeah. and hockey. Yeah. Pat Riley is has been an architect of that team for a very long time, and they get the kind of players they know they can play in their system, and they develop them and get them better. And Boston, first of all, their their coach is lost. He's lost oh, he, in the yeah, sauce. He, I mean, he's a disaster. He's not going to be back, um, in my opinion. And and they have just when the going's gotten tough, they've laid down, and it's it's crazy, but it's it really has looked that way. And they just keep doing the same thing and help, hoping for different results, like launching threes. You weren't hitting any threes. Take no, it to the basket. No, no. You know. yeah, but, but Boston was like the 76ers. They drive the paint, and then they kick it back out. You had a layup. Why would you not take the layup instead of kicking it back out? I know it was unraveling against you, but take the sure two instead of the, the sure three to try to break some momentum whatsoever. They didn't even attempt to break the momentum. They just kept kicking it back out. Jason Tatum, this entire series has been off. When you look at some of the games, especially the first two games in Boston, look at how many times he turned the ball over himself. That was not Jason Tatum-like. Yeah. Look at how off his three-point shot has been. Look at how inconsistent his scoring has been. Give credit where credit is due. Miami has choked, put a chokehold on this Boston team like Boston hasn't seen the last two years. I don't know what it is about it. And, you know, we talk about the Boston coach not being back. And and I'm going to say this as I did with the 76ers series. I think this is more on the players, more so than on the coach. The coach was lost in terms of knowing when to use timeouts to stop momentum against him, Mm -hmm. uh, when to bring certain players in and out. But these guys have been playing together for a couple of years now. They know each other inside and out. They know how to stop rallies. They know how to start rallies. The team flat out quit. It quit at the most crucial point of a season. I've never seen that. So I blame the players, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all of them. They quit. It, I, I just, I can't believe 
I'm sitting here talking about a Boston team, which I don't care one iota about. I'm not a Boston fan in any way, shape, or form. But in terms of just watching this team play as we have on the grandest of stages in the playoffs, I've never seen a Boston team quick like this. Yeah, listen, I'm with you. And they, look, they could very well get run out of this thing uh, to come tomorrow night. And same for the Lakers. Lakers down 3-0 to the Nuggets. And Jamal Murray's been ridiculous. Joker went nuts in the fourth quarter on Saturday night. Um, And L.A. looks to stave off elimination tonight. So, uh, you know, a lot going on with the NBA for sure. Um, You know, I didn't didn't see sweeps coming in either one of these, Derek. I thought Denver would win ultimately, but I thought it'd be a good series. Uh, I thought Boston would win. I thought Boston would knock Miami off. So I, I'm, I'm very surprised, man. But I guess I shouldn't be by by Miami. That's did sure. you did you know there's never been a sweep in both conference finals before? It's the first time this could possibly happen. I didn't know that. No, no. it's never happened before. Now I will say this: I have no rooting interest for either team. I, I told you Miami is my team. The rest of the playoffs. But in the grander scheme of things, I have no interest. I have no rooting interest for either team. I'm looking forward to seeing Denver play Miami. Miami's not supposed to be there. Denver has never been to the NBA championship round. Nope. And I'm looking forward to seeing Miami's defense against that Denver offense. I think it's going to be a great series. I really do. I do too. I do too. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And the problem is, Derek, if these both end up in sweeps, so say this, the West ends tonight and the East ends tomorrow, you can have almost you have nine days off in between. A long time, man. Oh. Yeah, that is a long, long time. So we'll see what ends up happening there. It, it's but, a long time, but at least you'll, you'll these guys will be allowed to heal up and rest up for true. the final leg of the season. I want both teams to be at full strength, well-rested when they go at it. The versatility of Denver's long, the Mad Bombers at Denver. Jamal Murray is an assassin. Jimmy Butler is an assassin. Um, I can't wait to see these two go at it, man. I really can't. I know nine days is a long time, but I cannot wait to see this. It's going to be a great series, I think. I agree. I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, be interested to see how much heart both of these two teams have. Uh, you know, the Lakers and the uh, and the Celtics. See if they get they can get they get swept out here. Um, beyond that. I don't know if you if you paid any much attention to the PGA Championship yesterday. Brooks Kepka won his fifth major, which in and of itself yeah. is just yeah. really impressive. But Derek, the story of this thing, and, and it came into perfect vision yesterday on, on fifteen. But this guy Michael Block, yeah. and I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Who?" Michael Block is a PGA Club pro, so he works out of a uh, out of a. Um, uh, a golf course in uh, in Mission Viejo, California. Okay, yeah. basically charges like one hundred and fifty dollars uh, for a one hour lesson. You know, to folks and works on people who are who are club members. Okay, that's this who this guy is. But he qualified to be able to play in this thing, right? And and not only did he play, this guy more than held his own. But the but the highlight of this was yesterday on fifteen, hole in one. It was a straight shot. It didn't bounce. It was mm, boom like cupped it like swished it in the cup okay so he he gets a hole in one yesterday he ends up finishing tied for 15th which not only secures him a spot for next year's pga he automatically qualifies he's going to be playing in the in the event coming up this week in california in in southern california where he's from he made two hundred eighty-eight thousand bucks. Jeez, like this guy my man had himself a weekend this was unbelievable you know that's more money than he probably makes in a year as a golf 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, you know, golf needs those kind of stories. They've gone through the the black eye of a lot of players defecting to the LIV. Tiger Woods is never going to be the golfer he was. He is still, even though Tiger Woods is is, is past his prime and probably he's never going to finish in the top 15, struggles to make cuts in tournaments. He's still the biggest draw no matter what. But still, he's never going to be that golfer that he was. The PGA Tour needs a Cinderella story like this every now and then. Because now when this guy plays again, people out of curiosity are, who's this guy? I got to see this guy. Who, who the heck is this guy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you live in Mission Viejo. If you know anything about California, that ain't a cheap place to live. Now, maybe he doesn't live there, but and maybe yeah. he just teaches there. But right. still, Southern California ain't a cheap place to live, brother. Mm-hmm. So even after taxes, that's a nice chunk of change for him. Good for him. You know, great story for him. And, and hopefully the PGA gets a lot of volume out of this story. Yeah, you might have you might be familiar with your Southern California, you know, ties that you've you've lived there and worked there. He works at the Arroyo Trabuco Golf Club in Mission Viejo. So never that, heard that, of that one. Yeah, never heard of that one. Me either. It's a pub. It's a public course, you know. So th- it's not Jeez. some private. I'm sure it's beautiful, but it's not the super hoity-toity Beverly right. Hills stuff that you get. Right, so right. this guy's a you know kind of a working class you know, just get by sort of dude. So that's it's, it's, unbelievable. He's 46 years old too. Pretty cool. Jeez. Yeah. Pretty if cool. I was him. I take the wife and go on a vacation. We've only dreamed of a lifetime. Amen. Yeah. You know? Cause it may never happen again. It may never happen again. He may never finish in the top 15 again in his life. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Cool. That's, that's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. Um, all right. Beyond that. So the Eagles start their OTAs next week. Derek. 20 teams start this week. Um, and the Eagles are taking the same approach that they took last year where they had six OTAs, no mandatory mini camp workouts. So that that's what they're, you know, looking at. And look, who's to argue that, you know, how do you argue it? It's worked very well for them for sure. You know what? Um, a lot of writers and TV people are going to have to scramble to fill a lot of columns and a lot of airtime with no mandatory mini camps, because that was a big part of a spring going into the summer. But you're saying we, we've been chastising the NFL for players la- uh, pl- practicing less because of how the volume of injuries keep piling up year in and year out. But this Eagles team last year navigated the waters of injury, uh, uh, injuries of health and had the healthiest team I can remember in a Super Bowl game. How can you argue against what works for this team? Yeah. I mean, really? I, 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 mean, I know. I, I'm waiting for, for all the outrage, but how can you have any outrage? It worked for them. Period, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, 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 the injuries they had, Malata, Lane Johnson, CJ, GJ, um, it, it, it hampered, hampered them a little bit, but they came back and played to the fullest in the biggest game of the season. Uh, so obviously kudos to that medical staff and the doctor staff and the training staff for what they were able to do to get these guys back on the field quickly and to keep them. And of course the quarterback missed two games as well. So kudos to them for being able to get these guys healed up enough to play the game. And in as much as from a media perspective, we want as much football as we can get this time of year to help fill the shows and stuff like that. I'm not knocking Eagles one bit for how they're approaching this thing, because you know, like the old adage says, if it ain't broke, don't fix Mm -hmm. it. And it worked last year. Let's hope let's, let's be very, very hopeful that they can do it again this year. I'm with you. Uh, and I, yeah, the odds that they're going to are going to be tough. I like this a lot. This is very cool. So um, 
tomorrow night, the Phillies are having a uh, mental health awareness night at the ballpark, and they're going to have Brian Dawkins sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." Um, have you ever heard Brian Dawkins sing? I have not. I love Doc. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> you never heard him sing "Fly Eagles Fly." Oh, I, I, who actually, I did hear that. It was okay. A little rough. And yeah. now he's going to sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." He's lucky he's a Hall of Fame football player because people are going to applaud him no matter what. Correct. But um, Doc, you might say, is a little tone deaf. <laughs> um, singing, Doc is very prominent in so many areas of his life, mental health, football, inspirational, motivational speaking. Uh-huh. Um, he could probably still coach among the best of the best in the NFL if he wanted to. But I would not put singing in the top 20 things that I would identify that Brian Dawkins does well. Um, unfortunately, you, you know, you know, they're going to show it, you know, they're going to show it during the game, but I'll be sitting there like this. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. But that, isn't that a song you could kind of get through? It's, you it's not kinda, like you, you, you can kind of, but yeah. you know, uh, take me out to the ball game. Cause everybody joins in. You let the fans yeah. just, 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 get into it it's a it's to me take me out to the ball game is a very monotone energetic song you know there's not many octave ranges in take me out to the ball game but it's it's a song that's based on energy because it's one two three strikes you out i think that'll be dogs and i guarantee you i guarantee you there will be an eagles chant at the end of take me out to the ball game oh no doubt And, and you're right but that's the thing you know he'll bring the juice which means the crowd will be really you know, the one, two, and and then he doesn't even have to do anything. Just let them go nuts and then, you know, walk off. But that's the cool thing that he's raising awareness for that. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, that is awesome. That's the best yeah. part about it. But, Doc, could you find another way to, to get your point across? I mean, I don't know. Matter <laughs> of fact, while we're sitting, I'm going to text him and say, Doc, I hear you're singing tomorrow. Is that true? You'll <laughs> hear what he says. So. Yeah, so that was uh, that. that it's going to be pretty cool tomorrow night at the Phillies game. They got the Diamondbacks uh, for three coming up. So John asks, how did the pro- how did prom two go? Uh, that was so. If you didn't, if you weren't with us last week, so my daughter had back to back proms Thursday night, her own. That was that was her own Thursday, and then Friday with her her boyfriend. So um, although I'm not allowed to call him her boyfriend, why says, not? She says we're just talking. Like okay. Whatever. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. Who knows yep. what, what goes on anymore? I, I don't. I don't even ask. But um, we're, we're just hanging out together. That's what it is. It's that too. What yeah, the heck does that even mean? Out. Yeah. Uh, so it went. <clears throat> it was smooth. Like I. It, it was easy. I mean, I let. There was much more involved in hers than there was in his. We just basically got some pictures here with her in a different dress and him in a different tux, and off they went. That was it. Uh, Got home, decent time, all good. Dad was happy, you know, no, no issues. So, so let me ask you this: um, since they're just talking, yeah, how, how do you like this guy? He seems like a very nice kid. He, um, he's respectful. He's he he he's very nice. Like he he was sort of nervous in a cute way, uh, you know, Thursday for hers. He, we were, he couldn't get his boutonniere on. We were helping him with the boutonniere, and he was having a hard time get that. He was He's a nice kid. He comes off like a really nice kid. See, 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 our producer Tone is closer to your daughter's age than we are, obviously. And Tone says, talking is our way of saying, 
the person is cool, but we're just feeling this person out. And he said they also they always seem nice. Yeah, it's true. Well, well, he's true. Like like I, but I have actually, and I didn't even do this like on the on the down low or like trying to be some like private investigator. But I've talked to people who know him and know the family and have known them for years, and and everything is these these a nice kid. The family's nice, all that kind of stuff. It's all good. Oh, so you didn't do any investigating, but you just know a piece people I, who know people who know people. I listen. But I'm not digging. Let me put it to you that way. I wasn't digging, but I'm like, oh, well, yeah, go ahead. Tell me more. That's So what I did. did you ever have the conversation with him here? Hey, look, man, let me tell you something. This is my ju- crown jewel. This is my daughter. This is what I expect of you if you're going to be just talking. Did you ever have one of those talks with him? I haven't had that talk with him yet. No, no, we're so not there yet. If you if you have that talk, how will it be received by your daughter? And your wife, for that matter. If I had to talk with him, she she would yeah. be mortified. Yeah, she'd be mortified. Yeah. That's okay. See, I wasn't allowed. When yeah. my daughters were teenagers, I wasn't allowed to have that talk with them. Dan, you're not yes. going to embarrass me like that. I'm like, yeah. what? Yep. I'm yeah. trying to protect you, not embarrass you. Oh, no. No, yeah. no, no. No way. Yep. No. Yeah, no, it's all it's all good, and 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 unfortunately, there are some people in the chat who who want to be low lifes. That, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that, I saw that. You know, it, it you speaks volumes. Do, yeah, it speaks volumes of that person. So you know, we we try to share what we do in in yeah. a nice way, but some people have to be idiots, and that's unfortunate. But that's life. That's okay. Um, Those so are the open. people that you go out of your way to ignore. Exactly right. That's why I will never give the name of, of said person. So, uh, oh, Sills, <laughs> Sills jumps in. Uh, don't Here ever we go. like your daughter's boyfriends. I tell my daughter the only reason I like the kid is because she likes you. I will never like them. LOL. I hear you. Like, I'm not going overboard either. I, I'm making sure I'm He knows kind of where he's, you know, hey, man, like, like, let's be respectful. Let's make sure we're smart. You know, all those kind of things. So. It's all good. You know, it's big still big still's talking talking wolf here. You know, I'm very I bet you he's very passive when it comes to his daughter. Because first of all, Big Sill, you're outnumbered by your daughter and your wife. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you say, it's gonna fall on deaf ears. Yeah, and if you step true. too far out of line, your daughter's gonna go to mom and mom's gonna come to you and you're gonna get the lecture. So don't give me this. I'm big bad big bad sills. Yeah, you might want to be in your own mind. I was yes, there, brother. I was the same way. And mm-hmm. then if, in, in reality, you find out that you're nothing more than a tame kitten. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right. So here's what we're going to do, Derek, when we come back. We're going to look at the Eagles and we're going to look at what positions we feel like they've upgraded. What positions maybe they took a step backwards okay. All right. on both sides of the ball. One o'clock, we'll get into the James Harden Sixers thing, the coaching yeah. search, because there's a lot of stuff being floated out there. We'll dive into that at two o'clock. I'm excited for this one. Unfortunately, we lost uh, we lost Jim Brown over the weekend. He, yeah. he passed away after the word came down right after we got off the air on Friday. Um, but many would consider him, if not the greatest running back, the greatest football player that's ever lived. Many would make that argument. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into the GOATs on the offensive side of the ball today, tomorrow we'll do defensive side of the ball. So we're just going to do skill position. We're not going to do offensive line. We're going to do quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. We'll do those four positions who we consider the greatest to have ever played the game, the GOAT. 
and you guys want to chime in while we do that, we can do that also. So a lot of good stuff there coming up. You don't want to go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take on this Monday. All right, let me tell you about Bravo Pizza. Good time right now, 1230 in the East. Got a little hunger pains. Yes, Bravo Pizza would hit the spot. I know it hit the spot for us. We got it for my daughter's prom, and it was a big hit. That's for sure. They've been family-owned since 1985. Alex and the crew, they're in there seven days a week, man. They offer 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. But they have the great thing that's the you name it, they will make it. That's right. Specialized pizza the way that you want at Bravo Pizza of Havertown. And it's not just pizza. It's free pasta, a fresh pasta, excuse me, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. There's unbelievable variety there. Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. And they raised money for the Eagles Autism Challenge a couple weeks back. They have fundraisers for schools, for charities, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They are located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. That's 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. You give them a call at 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back, back. What's up, baby? Good hanging out with everybody. How you doing, Gunner? I'm Rob. I'm in. Uh, we are doing our thing on this Monday, hanging out with you, talking some Eagles. So first off, Gunner, uh, they have signed Nolan Smith. So they lock up another draft pick. Uh, I think there's only one left, I want to say. I think there's only one um, drafty that they have not signed yet. So uh, no surprise there. This stuff always gets done now. You know, that's it, it's one of the nice things about the NFL now with the way everything's slotted. You remember back in the day, man, with the holdouts and – yeah, it it would set teams back. It would set players back. It, it was it sucked for the fans who wanted to see these guys get in there. It's mm. so much better now the way this is set up. Some guys wouldn't show up until the beginning, middle, end of training camp. Some guys didn't show up until after the regular season started. You know I mean, you can't blame them. You can't have guys out there not be protected by something, especially high draft picks. But you're right. I like the slotting better. It has a better control on the money that's dispersed. I mean, remember when um, a first-round draft pick, the number one pick in the draft would make $68, 70000000 and then there was the argument from veteran players, how does a kid walking off the street having not proved himself make that much more money than I do because he was a first-round pick or a high first-round pick, and I've given five, ten years of my life, and I've never come close to making that kind of money. And sure enough, Sometimes those high volume picks worked out. Sometimes they didn't, as we've seen throughout football. So I like the way they've slotted now to keep a better balance on the numbers. And of course, it gives teams opportunities to to better disperse money elsewhere among players they want to try to keep. Yep, well said. So and and good. Get Nolan Smith in here for the OTAs and make sure you're you're at everything you could possibly be at. That's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, all right. So you know, it's a good time of year, I think, to sort of assess roster because we you know we haven't gotten to camp yet we haven't even gotten to the OTAs yet as we mentioned a little bit earlier but the drafting part of this thing is done most of the work in free agents and trades has been done we all we know how he's always going to wheel and deal and it could happen during camp but for the most part you know we have an idea what this this team's going to look like so let's look at both sides of the ball Derek at where we think they've improved and where there may be a bit of a step backwards okay so let, let's start with this. You know, the weird thing when you look at this offensively, at least, I think, that's not weird, but I, I think you have to you have to mention that most of this is predicated on a large majority of players that are returning. Mm-hmm. The only new position you're going to have is running back and, and one of the guard spots, basically. That's it. So you ask yourself, are they going to get better at certain positions? Like a quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt with another year under his belt, just to improve and get better and get stronger and understand the game more and go as far as he went last year, all the way to a Super Bowl. that barring injury, you're absolutely going to see a better version of Jalen Hurts. So you've improved there. If you're looking at it that way. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, The playbook is going to be opened even more so. And I keep thinking about what Nick Sirianni said, you know, uh, the tush push play in particular, you're going to see more variations of it. It's not just going to be a straight ahead dive. And I can't wait to see that. You know, they're going to add more wrinkles to Jalen's repertoire. He has a better understanding and will have more input into the offense. If Sirianni is a smart coach and he is, they're having constant conversations with Jalen. What do you like? What do you want to change? 
What do you feel comfortable with? Um, how do you think we can improve this thing? And, and, a, and a good coach will allow a quarterback to develop a certain identity when it comes to running an offense. You allow you give the you give the quarterback a blueprint, but you allow that quarterback to have his own niche in that offense as well. You look at the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. That's exactly what they had. And some quarterbacks would run variations of the same plays over and over because that's what they were comfortable with and teams couldn't stop it. So Jalen Hurts is going to have a better input in this. I'm sure he already has this offseason. A better input, better conversations. And, of course, um, him and the new offensive coordinator have to get on the same page, page as well. Now, the new OC is a carryover into an existing offense, but the new OC is going to want to put a little niche on this offense as well, because he's probably thinking, depending on what I do here with this wealth of talent, I could be in line for a head coaching job as well, just like Shane Steichen, just like Jonathan Gannon. So it's natural. It's a natural progression. And of course, now the defenses have a better understanding of what this Eagles offense looks like with Jalen Hurts, they're going to be scheming them differently as well. So there's going to be a lot of chess matches involved in this thing. I hear you. You're right about that. Um, And then just to apply that same logic, the Hurts logic, you can sort of work your way down the chain. Like receiver, Devontae now going into what, his third year? How much is he going to be? How much stronger is he going to be? Better understanding of routes and what teams are doing to to stop him, to to try to shut him down, et cetera. I think he's going to be that much better. Um, you could apply that to Landon Dickerson at the left guard spot. Yeah, yeah. Just getting better, getting stronger, understanding the game a little bit more, still working under under the tutelage of, of Jeff Stoutland. I would throw Absolutely. him. Absolutely. You know, I throw Jordan Mailata in there because he played a lot of last year with a bad shoulder, Derek. And frankly, yep. he was okay last year. I didn't think he was great last year. Well, he had limitations. And even when he played, the shoulder was still not 100%. Right. But we've seen we've seen Jordan Mailata just maul people when he's at 100%. Um, you know, Stonewall, an elite pass rusher, bulldozing people 5, 10 yards down the field on running plays. I mean, when you're 6'8", 350 pounds, man, and you're an edge rusher and you're like 6'2", 275, you ain't got a chance, brother. It's like trying to slow down an 18-wheeler. <laughs> you're in the path of an 18-wheeler, and you may have – you may stop it for – you may, you may push against it for – X amount of feet, but after that, it's just going to roll right over you. And we've just seen a lot of pancake people. And kudos to Jeff Stoutland for for having patience with him to getting him where he is right now. I agree. He's only going to get better. I don't think he's any way, shape, or form close to being a finished product yet. You know, oh, you can yeah. you consider the limitations he's had as a player. He was not a starter right away. He had to buy his time. Uh, he was on the inactive list a number of times early in his career, and rightfully so. But he learned his lesson well. He talked He talked to everybody along that offensive line. He talked to Kelsey. He got all kind of pointers from Lane Johnson. And he learned his le- lesson well and parlayed that into a nice contract for himself. Yeah, and, and I, I, again, I don't think it could be overstated here, the fact that the guy didn't start playing football till he was, what, 22, whatever oh, he was? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, 21 years old. Um so, yeah, a, a lot of room. Now, running back, it really depends how you look at it. Like, Miles Sanders had a really good year last year, and we sort of forget about that because of the way the Super Bowl went and and because he's out of here. But if Rashad Penny and 
DeAndre Swift can stay on the field, I think that combination is better than what Miles Sanders is. But we all know it's all about availability, and that's a big if. But I think there's more talent there with those two guys. You know, you got different different kind of guys. You got brute force strength with Penny. You have home run hitting ability with Swift, also excellent out of the backfield catching the ball. Different, but could potentially be better. So that could be an upgraded position also. I think it's a deeper, more versatile backfield than what they had a year ago. My biggest question is, can they stay healthy? Which has been no in the past. But if you can keep these kids healthy, uh, young men healthy, I think it's an even more dangerous backfield because as a defender, if you can't get that offense off the field, you're looking at four different styles of running in backs. When you start talking about Swift, Penny, Gainwell, you know, um, you're talking about trying to stop uh, with that offensive line being what it is in front of them, trying to stop. You got, you're right. You have quickness. You have brute strength. You have flexibility, both not just in a running game, but the passing game as well. You know, when you put these guys out in space or screen passes, swing passes, hitch passes, so on and so forth. But I have my concerns about keeping those first two guys healthy. Yeah. Um, And if there's a team that can keep people healthy, as we talked about off the top of this show, um, it's this training staff. They're very good. They've proven that they are very good at what they do mm-hmm. in terms of keeping bodies on the field and out of the whirlpool tub. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that. I mean, it's, it's a bordering on unbelievable how, how healthy they were last year. Knock on wood. Um, all right. So that that's offense. I think the positions I didn't mention, I feel like will sort of stay status quo, meaning I don't think Kelsey takes a big step backwards. I don't think Lane takes a big step backwards. I think they're going to be still very much phenomenal. Uh, I think Dallas Goddard kind of stays where he is, and that's that, that's good. That's fine if these guys stay where they are. Um, when you go to the other side of the ball, that's where wait, it gets- wait for a mo- wait for a moment. I'm sure. sorry. I want to add this. When you talk about Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson at their ages, where they are right now, mm-hmm. the first thing you're thinking about is I'm looking for a decline in these players. Right. Not these two. They are an exception to the rule of age finally getting to you. They're both going to play at a Pro Bowl level. Mm -hmm. I fully expect both of them to be Pro Bowlers again this season. They are in the top two in discussion. Lane Johnson is the best of the best. Kelsey is one of the best. Mm -hmm. And that's going to put them in Pro Bowl consideration again. Age will not be a factor with either one of these guys. They know what it takes physically and mentally to get through the rigors of a training camp of an NFL season. They know how to take care of their bodies. The coaches know when to give them days off to let them heal up a little bit more. Um, what a luxury, what a rare luxury Nick Sirianni has at his disposal, having these two guys, Lane Johnson and Lane Johnson and Kelsey, I believe both are going to be Hall of Famers. Oh, I'll be you honest so. with you. Yep. You know, and what a luxury, a rare luxury Nick Sirianni has with both of these players at his disposable. They're durable, they're smart, they lead by example. They have the highest respect they, in that locker room of, of among any players in there. They are every they are the epitome of professionalism inside and out. Yeah, I, I just I think you could make an argument that both guys were the best at their position last year. Kelsey, the best center in the game. Yep. 
Lane, the best tackle, and or if you want to just get real specific, best right guard, uh, right yes. tackle as well. So, yeah. no doubt. Uh, and even even let's face it, Derek, if they take a slight step back, it's still phenomenal. It's absolutely still at an incredibly high it's still level. Pro Bowl caliber. Absolutely. Uh, so then you go to the other side of the ball. This is where I think it's there's it's more challenging here because I would say this before we get to how you, how they they improved. Like, you know, you're not going to get eleven odds are you're not getting 11 sacks out of your defensive tackle position next year that's what you had with Hargrave now Hargrave was limited against the run but still so you're losing that you basically have two new safeties starting and you have two new linebackers I don't it's just not fair to think that you're going to be better at those positions next year I think there is a step back the question is how far is the step back you know if the Kobe Dean shows you right away he can play you know and Morrow's solid okay I mean you know, you, you can get by with that. Um, if Jalen Carter shows you that he is the, the, the most talented guy in the draft, like a lot of people would make a case for, even if you're not getting 11 sacks out of him, that's huge. Jordan Davis steps up, that's huge. But right now, we don't know. We don't know about those spots, and we don't know about safety or linebacker. Davis and Dean are going to be counted on heavily in terms of being fixtures in his defense. You cannot even use size or lack thereof when you talk about a Nicobe Dean because we've seen the undersized linebacker in the National Football League prosper so much in today's game. He has the sideline lateral speed to get from point A to point B. He's a short tackler. In the limited amount of times we've seen him play, he's made plays. He's been a disruptive factor. But now can he do it every down? When you're taking sporadic hits compared to taking hits every down, that's a little bit different mentally and physically. Mm. And with Jordan Davis, can he get his weight down? Can he control his weight? Can he stay on the field? You know, a big guy like that who's had a concussion and ankle injuries in his first year in a limited limited amount of time that he's had to play, you've got to watch that closely. How are they going to utilize him? How's, how many snaps is Desai going to play him? He played in the high 20s last year. Will that elevate to the 40s or 50s? And you're still saying, well, he's only playing half a game. But when you start playing 40 to 50% of the snaps, that's a significant part of the game. You're playing a lot more. Your body's taking a lot more hits. Your knees and ankles are taking a lot more hits. More people are falling on you and so forth, so on and so forth. That's going to be something you have to closely watch. But you're right. In terms of getting the volume of sacks that the D-tackle position got last year, I don't think that's going to happen. You have to keep a close eye on Fletcher Cox as well. Fletcher Cox getting up there as well. Mm -hmm. And as we've said time and time again, Fletcher Cox plays in spurts, plays great in spurts. He plays like a a pro bowler, one series, and all of a sudden you don't hear from him the next two series and vice versa. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how you mix and match this new group of players integrated with the carryovers. Yeah, and and now, look, you can apply some of the stuff that we talked about on the offensive side on the defensive side. I no reason to believe Josh Sweat can't be a better version of himself this year. Right. He, had, he had an excellent year, you know, a breakout year really for him. Uh, no reason to believe that. No reason to believe James Bradbury in this, you know, with a, with a, I know it's a different coordinator, but a similar system can't be better next year. Maybe, you know, maybe Slay gets back to the way he played in the beginning of the year um, at, at the corner spot. Avante Maddox, if he stays healthy, um, you know, for sure. There, there's a, there's a lot of good. There's no reason to believe that, that Hassan Reddick can't be a better version of himself. I, I think the defense though is where you have to sort of it's it's a little more of a wait and see. The offense to me should be a hit the ground running situation. Mm-hmm. The defense is a work in progress more than anything else. 
Hassan Reddick could have less sacks and still be a better player in terms, and by that I mean getting better consistent pressure on quarterbacks. He could be that that kind of player. Josh Sweat could could have more sacks this year than he had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Avante Maddox, health is the key for him. He plays so with such reckless abandon. He he knocks himself himself out of games as we saw in that Dallas game. Right, you know he knocked himself out. A Blankenship is a key in the back end of that defense. Blankenship has a lot of potential on the back end of that defense, but will he hold his own? We we keep overlooking Greedy Williams has been added to the mix. True. How are you going to utilize him? You know he's a very good quality cornerback, and now you add him in the mix with Slay, Maddox, um, James Bradbury. I mean the depth on this defense in terms of the back the back end of the defense is is unbelievable. Um, and, and so Desai and, 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 you know, Matt Patricia are going to have, uh, a wealth of talent to rotate and, and, and try to confuse defenses with, I mean, there could be times when you could see six DBs on the field for this defense, mm-hmm. depending on who you're playing. When you look Patrick Mahomes, you don't think they're going to put extra DBs on the field. Josh Allen, you don't think they're going to have extra DBs on the field to, to try to combat that passing game as well. Um, dude. There are, mo- there are a lot of teams that, that barely have two starting corners, let alone four, like the Eagles have, and then some. And then you look at how they draft it. They get these kids up to speed. If these kids turn out to be what we hope they are, they're going to be six deep. Oh, listen, no question. Uh, if, if Yeah, you're right. If that's the case, these are all sort of best-case scenarios, but not – but not far reaches. These these are not hell marys. No, no. You know, it, it very well could play out this way. I mean, look, Derek. You look at what this draft. I mean, a Carter and, and, and a Nolan Smith and Akili Ringo, uh, among among others that we're not Steen that we're not even talking about. Sidney Brown. All of these guys, in some way, shape, or form, could play a role this year. I'm telling you, um, Howie Roseman has done a masterful, consistent job over the last three years of building this team, bringing in the right free agents to keep this team where it's going to be this year, among the best of the best in the NFC, possibly the best team in the NFC. On paper, there's not a deeper team in the NFC. On paper, there's not a better quarterback in the NFC. There's not a better offensive line. There's not an overall better collection of pass ca- of, of top two pass catchers uh, in the NFC. Think about it. Go up and down the rosters in the NFC. Tell me two pass catchers who are better than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith right now. I mean, think yeah. about it. You can say, okay, Minnesota has Justin Jefferson. You know, um, New Orleans has this. You know, this team has that. But you're talking about single individuals. In terms of two receivers complementing each other, the Eagles are second to none in that regard in the NFC. Mm-hmm. So that's why from now, and I'll see it all season long until they prove us differently, there's no question looking beyond what's on paper that the Eagles have at least the best offensive collection of people in the NFC right now. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about two starting receivers who went over the 1,000-yard mark, a, a starting running back, who I know, I know he's not here, but we're just going off of last year, who had 1,000 yards rushing, a, a tight end who would have probably been pretty darn close had he not missed you know, some time during the regular season in Dallas Goddard, and, 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 a, and a quarterback you know, who can, who can throw you for 3,000 and rush for, for 700, 800. I mean, that, that's the kind of weaponry we're talking about with a really good offensive line almost completely returning intact. So the 
I just, to me, I have very, the, the bar is set like maybe the Chiefs and then the Eagles or the Eagles are like three in terms of points per game and just offensive production. Where I struggle with this a little bit is the other side. I, I don't know what it, it's going to look like defensively. I, I just don't know. And I don't know that, I don't know that fans are taking into, into account some of, some of the turnover here with this, with this defense. Yeah. I, I just saw a comment in the chat that said, put Barnett, you know, Derek Barnett in the unemployment line in no way, shape or form is this team ready to give up on Barnett yet. Say what you want to say about him. You can talk about the lost season. Look at the numbers they put up without him last year. We talk about his mental mistakes from previous years, but Derek Barnett does have talent. He has capability. I don't think they're ready to give up on him yet. The contract that he's under right now is, is not um, restraining them in any way, shape, or form. The only way Derek Barnett doesn't make this team is Derek Barnett plays his way out of being among the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023. Barnett has the opportunity to come in here and contribute significantly, and he should be self-motivated because he had to sit there and watch what this team accomplished without him last year. If there's anybody, there's, there should be nobody more motivated on the defensive side of the football this season than Derek Barnett because of what he lost last year in terms of this team excelling. Um, he could be a, he could be this asset in, in waiting that we're not even counting on yet. You know, we don't talk about Derek Barnett because he wasn't there. But Derek Barnett now has a chance, if he can stay healthy, to make a name for himself. If he can mature, cut down the mental mistakes, do what this team expects him to do, which he has shown flashes of doing. Derek Barnett's going to be another piece to this equation that's going to make the overall product that much better and versatile and stronger in the fourth quarter of games. Well, I mean, if anything, too, you need depth. You know, you're not going to be – keep it real here. You're not going to stay healthy the entire season. You know, guys are going to go down. And Derek Barnett is a guy who at least has been there and played. You know, and it's – look, it's a critical year for him – if he wants to get paid, you know, if he wants to be a guy who stays in this league and sticks around for a long time, he's going to have to, to improve and be better. Uh, frankly, his career has been a disappointment considering where he was taken as high as he was taken. He's just been okay. I I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because to me, he's very similar to what Brandon Graham went through the first five, six years of his career. Yeah. Injuries, not living up to being a first round draft pick people turning on him the way they did. Now, Brandon Graham didn't make the mental mistakes that Derek Barnett does and has. Right. But, he, but he, I think he was a little more locked in. He was more yeah. locked in. Yep. Now, now Brandon Graham took the net negative criticism to heart to the point where he was blocking people left and right on Twitter. Right. Um, but then all of a sudden, the light switch came on for him. You know, first the organization. You know, you think about how many – look at how many teams – don't pick up a first-round draft pick's fifth-year option. They lose patience with them. This Eagles team has shown patience with a lot of players throughout the last 10 years when you really think about it. You know, the Brandon Grahams, the Mylottas. Yeah, Josh Sweat, it, it, it wasn't all gravy for Josh Sweat for much of his career. Oh, the yeah, lights was turned on last mm -hmm. year for him. Mm -hmm. And Derek Barnett falls in that category. 
this Eagles organization is a very patient or- organization and somehow, some way seeing things in players that we don't see on the outside looking in. Then all of a sudden they become favorites on this team. So I think Derek Barnett falls in that same category of no matter how much we chastise him and lambaste him for what he didn't do, what he has not lived up to, I think this team identifies the fact that he has something that he can give us and contribute to us. We have to be patient. We have the luxury of being patient. He's under a contract that's not killing us. We Let's play this. My lotta, prime example was my lotta. Look how patient they were with him. And look at what he's turned out to be. So I think that's what Derek Barnett is right now in terms of uh, what this team expects from him. Hopefully, not, not just expects from him, but hopefully gets from him this year. If, if there's a position, I, uh, either side of the ball, if there's a position that concerns you most, what would you say it is as we sit here right now? A position that concerns me the most. I would, I would still say it has to be the safety spot. Okay. To me, to me, I wanted to say linebackers, but if with, with the cornerbacks that you have and the frontline players that you have, a lot of teams can cover up any deficiency that you might have at linebacker. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to the passing, when you look at the quarterbacks this team is going to face this year, and what was their one biggest problem? Defending the pass at crucial points of games. Yeah. I think the safety spot is going to be huge. I think Blankenship has the ability to take his game to that next level. Uh, who's to say that Greedy Williams may not be back there playing safety at some point? Could be. Yeah, I, I think that's open. I think there's a lot. I like Nothing's open. locked yep. in at the safety yep. spot. Yep, yep. No question about it. Um, so I would have to say, so who would you say? Or what position would you say? Um, I would say linebacker worries me the most, okay. even though they downplay the position. Because I just don't know about Nicobe Dean. It doesn't mean I, I, I don't believe in him, but I don't know. Right. And Moro's on the smaller side. I, I would say I would go linebacker safety for sure. Would be my one-two. Um, yeah, they'd be my what, one-two. When I look at Morrow, he reminds me somewhat in terms of size of a Kazir White. And if you remember, Kazir White started off great in this defense. And all of yeah. a sudden he faded down the stretch into the playoffs. Yep. And, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Morrow, but, you know, physically same type of player. Can he hold up? What exactly is an, is he in this defense? And you're right, with N'Kobe Dean stepping in there now, Morrow in there now, the big question mark is going to be, did the Eagles get better or worse at linebacker? And we can't get an answer until we see the games played out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be tested because you've got a number of teams um, that are going to throw the football and utilize the run to set up the pass. Will they be able to identify and decipher what they're looking at quick enough to stop these teams from getting four, five, six, seven yards of real estate against them in the running game? And can they drop back and cover efficiently in the passing game? It's going to be huge for this uh, team. Right. And, and look, the defensive line plays a big part of this. Like if they're, yes. if Jordan Davis and or Jalen Carter are occupying tacklers or, or blockers, excuse me, then the, the linebacker should be able to feast if that's the case. Um, same thing goes for the safeties and, and the corners. If those guys are, are as prolific as they were last year at getting to the quarterback, it's going to make their life a lot easier in the secondary, yep, yep. in the back end. So, it, yeah, obviously it's the ultimate team sport. Um, I, despite losing Hargrave, I feel good about the defensive line. I do, as strange as that sounds. 
You're bringing back Reddick. You're bringing back Sweat. You're bringing back yep. Brandon Graham. All three of those guys were in double figure sacks. You're you're getting, you know, Barnett back from a depth perspective. But I think Jalen Carter is going to be at every down tackle. Uh, maybe there's less that you have to ask Fletcher Cox to do. And I have to assume that Jordan Davis is going to get better. So if that's the case, I think their D line is going to be pretty good, Derek. I, I do too. I, I think it has the potential to be really good, but I've got to see, I've got to see these young kids get in there. Um, I think Jalen Carter is a phenomenal talent at the collegiate level. Can he be that phenomenal talent at the pro level? I think he can. Uh, from watching all the game film I've seen of him at Georgia, this kid's a phenomenal nonstop motor type player. Mm-hmm. Now you got to coach him up at this level. I think Nolan Smith has that capability as well. Um, but, we haven't seen it yet at this level. We've seen them as collegiate players. Haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to see what they look like in this defense. I can't wait to see what this defense looks like. I can't to see, is it a, basically going to be a 5-2 defense? Is it a 3-4? Is it a 4-3? I think we're going to see a little mixture of everything in there, especially against some of these pass-happy quarterbacks that they're going to face. I can't wait to see how much they attempt to blitz. You know, you know, the size not a big blitzer like, you know, Jonathan Gannon wasn't. Is he going to dial up more blitzes with the talent that he has? It's let's let's it's a faster defense on paper, mm-hmm. just based on 40, 40 times <clears throat> um, from Jalen Carter, Nolan Dean, um, Joshua. It's a faster defense, but just because you're faster doesn't make necessarily make you more effective. You got to get home. You got to have that dog mentality. You got to beat your opponent to the punch. You got to constantly be one step ahead of the offensive lineman and the tight ends trying to block you. Will they be able to do that consistently? Don't know yet. Don't know. I hear you. All right. Uh, more football coming up. As I mentioned, we'll, we'll dive into the whole GOAT conversation uh, based off of uh, losing Jim Brown uh, on Friday. All right, Derek, let, we'll come back. Uh, there's a little Woj news, uh, which will update you on the coaching search uh, searches around the NBA, when we'll, how they tie into the Sixers. We'll do that. We'll get into the James Harden thing. A lot of Sixer stuff to, to, to tie into that we will do when we return. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because I can tell you this. I went years trying to find the right person, not always getting the, the, the right answer, someone getting back to me, not really explaining things well, someone who wasn't really didn't have my best interest at heart. And I found Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. And to me – there's nothing more critical than investing for your future. Um, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business. You're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. I've personally entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him as well. Murray, M U R R A Y. Dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray. Dot Jim at principal.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24 7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Back, hour number two of the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are Sports Take. Let's hit that like button, friends, if you could. Uh, we do appreciate it. He's Derek. I am Rob. All right. So let me give you the uh, the latest from Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, chiming in, Derek, uh, as he as he wants to do here. Um, ESPN is about 24 minutes ago. ESPN sources. Bucks are narrowing group of top candidates in franchises head coaching search to Nick Nurse, Golden State assistant Kenny Atkinson, Toronto assistant Adrian Griffin. These coaches will be part of the final conversations with Milwaukee leadership this week. He then follows that up about a minute later with Nurse still looms prominently in Phoenix and Philadelphia searches, sources say. And the reports are that the Sixers are talking to Nurse this week. So uh, let's dig into a couple of those. I know you keep a close eye on the Bucks. Um, what's your sense there? What, what's your sense of uh, obviously it's Budenholzer is not going to be in consideration there in Milwaukee. He was the guy they just let go. But right. um, what are you thinking in terms of uh, next? See, I think they're the most attractive job. Like the, the Sixers comes with a million questions. I agree. Phoenix, at least you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. They have their their fair share of questions too, but. I think Milwaukee's the most attractive job. Um, I agree because you have Giannis and you're going to bring back most of that nucleus from this season. Um, I think Philadelphia is a very appealing situation, but I think 
a head coach has to wonder, what's the situation with Harden? How much room do you have to try to make this roster better? Uh, where's Embiid? Um, we know Embiid's still stinging from Doc Rivers being let go. Where's Embiid headwise in terms of, you know, does he want to be here? You know, is he on board with whoever, if I come in to try to turn this thing around? But I do think you're right. Um, you look at Phoenix's situation. Um, how much does, how much more does Chris Paul have left in the tank? That's that's the problem. And you're really capped out uh, beyond that. Uh, like there's not a lot of great options. You, you, it's it's yeah, they're yeah. they're top heavy as heck, man. They, they yeah. really are. You got yeah. Barnett, you got Booker, but what do you have after that? I mean, you got a nice team, but mm-hmm. this team always falls short for some reason. You know, Milwaukee won a championship a couple of seasons ago. Giannis got hurt in the first series against Miami this year. You don't know how that would have played itself out had they been healthy. Milwaukee is going to be there. Of, of the teams looking for a head coach, you know Milwaukee is going to be in the thick of things again next season yep. as long as they keep that team healthy. I, I agree with you. I think Milwaukee is the most appealing job right now because that that whole roster is solidified. Milwaukee is going to make some minor changes. You know, they got a couple of guys that won't yeah, come Yeah, Middleton back. to free agent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, they're going, to, they're going to be a solid nucleus as long as Giannis is in the middle of things there, they're going to be a solid nucleus. Um, great position for Nick Nurse to be in, to have his his pick of teams, um, especially not just rebuilding teams, but teams that are on the cusp of being a lot better than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, and this gets back to the whole Sixers thing. It is incredibly complicated because – you don't know if Harden's going to be back. You don't know if they ultimately want to have Harden back. You don't know where Embiid's, as you said, headspace is. Um, can you trade Tobias Harris? Are you interested in trading Tobias Harris? If you if Harden leaves, who's playing point guard for this team? Um, you know where are they from a depth perspective with that bench that you know that we're that we're looking at? So it, it's tough. I, I mean, get, let's get back to the Embiid happiness thing. By all accounts, he wanted Doc Rivers here. And I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about this, Bill Simmons uh, of the ringer. You know, one of the things that he said was as of Monday of last week, Doc Rivers was still going to be the coach. And then he intimated that James Harden, you know, put the kibosh on that and, and Doc's out. If I'm hearing that, so let's go back to what Keith Pompey reported. Keith Pompey, a friend of the show, reported last week, that there's mutual interest in Harden going to the Rockets on both sides. And it's not a ploy just to negotiate the Sixers up, just to get his, his you know leverage up with them. And I, t- as you know, I have a great deal of respect for Keith and, and, and yes. his reporting. Yes. But I just don't know. I, I just wonder what ultimately is going on. Because it feels like if you're going you're gonna to run Doc out of here and you're Daryl Morey, you're, and you're listening to James Harden to some extent. Are you going to do that if he's not going to be here next year? And you're not going to make a hard play to bring him back next year? Rob, I, I think this Harden thing is a ploy in a lot of ways to get leverage with this team, to get better leverage with this team in terms of getting what he wants. If, if, it's, if it's truth to, to the rumor that Harden had a hand in Doc Rivers' being let go, if what Bill Simmons says is true, that as of Monday, Rivers was coming back, that tells me that Harden has more clout with Morey than Embiid does, number one. 
Number two, why would James Harden, as much as he wants to go to Houston, as we, we started hearing that rumor Christmas Day. Right. Why would you want to go to a team that won 22 games and lost 60? Now, Ro- Houston's roster has a lot of good young talent, but they're not there yet. James Harden's 33 years old. Why would you want to start over? You, I know you live down there. You have a lot of context, a lot of a lot of inroads down there. But this is about trying to grab a ring. You have your money. You have your fame about, about trying to grab a ring. Why would you want to go anywhere else but a team that already is close to being a, a fi- final four team, so to speak? Right. right. But it goes back. Would Maury actually give this dude a max contract? At this stage, mm-hmm. would you? Re- that's not. I, really I would business. not. No, I, Derek. I, I I want him. I hope the Houston thing is real. I hope Houston offers him four years at crazy money. Brian Winhorse put out there this weekend as well. Uh, he used the term when discussing this. There's an appetite, appetite for four years, two hundred million around the NBA for for James Harden. That's fifty million what? per year. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm out. Uh, here's what I would do. I would let him walk. I would try to trade Tobias Harris. I'm not saying you can automatically do it, but that's what I would try to do. He's in the last year of that deal. And I figure out a way to bring in some guys who are going to cost you kind of like what P.J. Tucker cost you in that range to play point guard and try to get some shooters in here. And if I if I may take a little bit of a step back this year, then I take a little bit of a step back. That's okay. I don't want to hamstring myself to James Harden for four years at 50 million a year. Sorry. No, thanks. See, you know what, Rob, I'm with you hundred percent. Um, but if you get what you want, even with Embiid here, the product may not be good enough to win 54 games. The product may not be good enough to be one of the top three seeds in the East. The product may make you sweat it out and you become a play in team. Are you going to be satisfied with that? Because we, we're going to be sitting here screaming about this team going backwards instead of forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no problem trading Tobias Harris. If James Harden walks, he walks. But because of what we, we've been talking about, this team is so strapped in terms of how much money they can spend to try to make this roster better. It's not a guarantee the roster is going to be better if no. you let both of these guys walk. It's not. So are you as a as a – prominent 76ers fan, a prominent Philadelphia sports fan. If if it goes south instead of going north, are you going to be okay with that for next season? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's a very fair question, Derek. And after asking people to sit through the process where it was just garbage for years, it's a hard thing to ask this fan base in particular to take a, a quote-unquote step back. But if, if the alternative is – James Harden depreciating like a car. When you buy a new car and pull out of the lot, you you know what I mean? By the second or third year, you're getting, you're going constantly going to the mechanic for, for, you know, getting band-aid measures done to your car and it's, it's, it's bleeding you dry. Then I'll take a step back. I just will. I, but I, but because at least I'll have my eyes open. Like I'm not going in kidding myself. I'll know what it looks like. Um, And this is also where you better get it right with the coach. You better get it right with the coach because you, you've now – this will be your third coach in four years at this point with, with Brett Brown, Doc, and then who, whoever gets hired this year. Okay. You're from here. Yeah. I've been here over 25 years. I know this Philadelphia fan base. I know the mindset. 
And I'm looking at people in our chat here. No way, bring Harden back. No, don't do it. Don't do it. These are the same people that come November, December. If they're struggling, this team sucks. We never should have let James Harden go. Um, if they let Harden go, I, I, I don't have a problem with it because I'm not paying that man a max contract, you know, at this stage of his career, especially after what I just saw. He had three great games in the playoffs against Boston and four sub-subpar games in that playoff series. So that tells me that James Harden is not going to give you that consistency you're looking for. But see, now Boston can say the same thing about a Jason Tatum and a Jalen Brown. Where were our star players when we needed them the most? Right. You know, um, I, I think this team is going to have to be very careful in, in terms of how they approach this thing and listening to the public outcry. It's going to be a feel. you got to have a feel for what is best for this team right now. We have somewhat of an unhappy James, uh, unhappy Joel Embiid. How do we appease him? If we do bring Harden back, does it make us a better team? Does it make us the same team we already are? Does James Harden, hopefully we can sprinkle in a few more, a few more minor pieces here that's not going to kill us in the cap, make us a better team? This team right now is in a very unenviable position because of the way their money is structured and because of what we just saw, how this team fell flat on his face when they were at the doorstep of knock, knocking Boston out of the playoffs and let them off the hook the last two games. Okay, so that brings us to this. Are you willing to really go all in? Let Harden walk, trade and bead, and really start over again? Uh, it's a hard pivot. You're talking about a guy yeah, who won the MVP, you know, 30 years old. He'll, he'll play at 30 years old. He is a great connection with the fan base. And Derek, let's face it, this is a business. You want to keep filling those seats like the Sixers do. They do extremely well attendance-wise, okay? Are you willing to take the step that far? Now, I think some people are. In my opinion, I don't think the organization is. I do not think that they will move Joel Embiid. But it's not crazy. His value is never going to be higher. The older he gets... Right now, he's coming off an MVP. He's still relatively young. The older he gets, especially with him, it's kind of like dog years a little bit, mm -hmm. right? I mean, in terms of like his body and whatnot. Do you waste another year? I mean, that that's going to be the really hard, hard pressing question that I really don't think they'll even entertain, but I think it has to be entertained. And look, Terry makes a good point. Yeah. Terry, you what? look at what they what Minnesota gave up you know i thought it was an absurd trade but what they gave I up to too. utah to get you know go bear multiple multiple first round picks you could get yourself draft picks again which you don't have right now you know you you could really try to get athletic and get wings which this league is right now as opposed to running everything through your big and a ball dominant you know one that you have with harden you could really pivot this thing and, and and build it quickly, not in a process way where it's forever and you're just trying to lose. No, this would be your, your one fell swoop kind of move. See, I don't want draft picks. I want players. I want okay. players that can come in here and make this team a, a more exciting team. See, Miami has shown, and I can't use the Miami uh, comparison enough. Miami has shown we don't have to be the biggest team. You know, we always talk about bigs in the NBA. This is a big yeah. team. Miami doesn't have to be a big team. They're a tenacious team. You know, Pat Riley's done a phenomenal job finding players off the street that just yeah. have a hunger and a desire to play. 
They don't worry about being stars in Miami. You know who the star is of that team. Jimmy Butler is the star of that team. It is not a star-studded team. But when you look at the supporting cast, they complement each other so well. And I want players. I don't want to have to go through getting a, 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 a bunch of other draft pick type players and, and grooming them to play at this level because then it's going to take them a while to get on the same page. If I can yeah. find a team that can give me two, three, four players that can come in here and complement this team right now, and if we're a bunch of six, seven, six, eight, six, nine type players, but we're athletic, we can shoot. We have snipers like Denver does. Okay. Um, if we're tenacious on defense like Miami is, then I'm, I'm all in in that regard. I don't think the Sixers would even entertain a trade for Embiid unless they can get a collection of players like that, unless they can get a haul like that for Joel Embiid. And, I, and look, I think it's fair because, you know, we, we know if you look back at the at the process and you look at the guys who were still standing with all those draft picks that they accumulated, all the assets that they accumulated, Embiid's the only one still standing. I mean, I, I'm, I don't count Maxi because I think the process was over at that point. But that's it. Okafor, uh, Nerlens Noel, Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons. Yeah. None yeah. of them stuck. None of them. Mm-mm. So we can sit here and talk about picks all we want. They're unproven commodities for, for all the faults and the warts of Joel Embiid and as small as he came up in that game. The guy's a great NBA player and will be a Hall of Famer. I'm with you. I, I don't just want assets. I want players coming back here who can actually play and make a difference. See, and see, Scott Lamont in the comment chats here says, Miami will suffer not being big in the finals against Jokic and, and Gordon. I see. I disagree. Yeah, I don't because, agree with that because because Milwaukee is one of the tallest teams in the league. They took Milwaukee out. Boston was a taller team. They they they, they took Boston out. Okay, I mean uh, they, they're about to take Boston out. Yeah. This goes beyond just height. It has to do with athleticism. You know, a team like Miami, they can get up and down the floor. They got five six guys that can knock down the threes. They can defend. You know, they have everything you need. They don't need height. To get to, to get to where they want to go, I'm not so sure that Denver being a bigger team is just going to run over Miami. We've been waiting to see it all playoffs, and it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so it, it, it goes with cohesiveness. You it, Miami has told you, and they've shown you throughout the playoffs, you don't have to be the biggest team to be the best team. Did anybody in their wildest imaginations think that Miami would be sitting here up 3-0? on Boston with the first two games in Boston. Cause if you, if you say yes, you're lying. Cause if you really watch the game, the way it's played, nobody in their imagination thought Miami would be up three on Boston. Boston was a good shooting team un- until they face this tenacious Miami team, the way Miami has taken them out of their game. Miami has taken, you know, people say, well, Boston's off. No, Miami has taken the game to them. Miami has taken them out of the game. Miami has forced them to take shots they don't want to take. Miami has beaten them on the boards. Miami's beating them up and down the court. Miami's supporting Cavs is killing Boston. Mm-hmm. That's what it came down to. Pat yeah. Riley putting his team together. How many? I've never heard of a team with seven undrafted players playing well, the way Miami's and, and playing. And Scott right says now. Gordon and Joker are pure power. No, they're not. No, no they're, they're not. not. There's a lot of finesse in Joker's game. It's not to say he can't. He can't play with his back to the basket of course he can he, he's a multi-talented guy but he hurts you in a number of different ways playing that point center spot at the top of the key watching guys dishing to them on cuts hitting the three 
He can do a lot of different things. I mean, to, to, to your point, Derek, if you look at that Heat series with, with the Celtics, yeah. Joe Mazzulla abandoned the, the, the big lineup that he was going with that hurt the Sixers. The, the Robert Williams and, and Horford lineup, he abandoned it because Miami was just taking it apart. They can hurt you a million different ways. Miami's got shooting. You look at the way Gabe Vincent's shooting the ball, the way Struess is shooting the ball, the way Duncan Robinson's shooting the ball. But you also have Adebayo who can, who can back you down and take it at you. You know, Jimmy Butler could do a million different things. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And, and I think that Miami's showing you a lot of versatility in their game and what they're able to do. So oh, I, I don't – yeah, like I don't view it that way. Like if they got to the finals, oh, my God, all of a sudden they're screwed. I, I just don't think so. And I, and I appreciate Scott's input. I'm just saying I just I, – I think there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. You know what? Every team has a different formula, you know. And for me, when it comes to being successful, if a team has a measure of success, I'm looking at how they did it and trying to emulate some of that. Even if I have a so-called formula of how I want a team built, a lot of times you have to deviate from the norm. The style of play changes. The bigs as we knew it 10 years ago is not the way bigs play the game today for the most part, you know. And we've talked about this time and time again. You know, the way Joel Embiid nowadays is a rarity compared to the way bigs play across the board in the NBA nowadays. So I think the Sixers have to start looking at that and, and say, okay, we've got to change our formula in terms of how we want this team to be structured, how we want our offense to look. Do we need to get quicker up and down the floor? Do we need faster players along the perimeter? Because that was one of the Sixers' biggest problems. Their, their perimeter defense was always a half-second slow. You know, do we need to get quicker? How do we go about doing that? I got to tell my scouting department, these are the kind of players you got to find me somewhere. You got to, you got to help me. You got to find these players because what we have, what we have right now has not worked the last three years to get past the second round. We've got to change the mindset to improve this product. Well, yeah. And, and I think that that also goes to a much bigger question as well. Like, can you win now with that guy? Like, in other words, obviously Denver's having a lot of success but Joker's a different kind of big. Can you win with the kind of big that Embiid is? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good question. It is, it is definitely a wing dominated league. That's for sure. And, and you know, that's the other thing I think you have to take into account. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a changing of the guard, so to speak, no pun intended uh, in a lot of ways in that league. But I just, I, I feel like, I guess the thing I can't get past Derek more than anything else is, I don't know if Embiid has that that chromosome that we you know that you need in, in the in the big game. I just don't know that that's there after what I saw, you know. But then again, here you know, let me just real quick just circle back to the game last night. Not to harp too much on this, but the thing that I think that we have to sort of accept begrudgingly now is that players and teams do lay down in big games. How do you account for what Boston did last night? How do you account for what the Sixers did in game seven? Like I, it's almost unfathomable, uh, unfathomable that it's a reality, but it sort of is a reality now with today's players. It's different. Well, I can counter with this. Also. I don't disagree with you. First of all, let me say that because I, there's a part of me that agrees with you. Well, then I'll go to the other series. You look at, look at the Lakers. They haven't quit in any of those games. Oh, I agree. They haven't. They just keep. Fall, they just keep falling short. 
Yep. They're just being outplayed by a better team right now, a deeper team, a more versatile team. You know, the Lakers are giving it 100%. All three games with the Lakers have been entertaining games. You know, and you sit there holding your breath thinking, okay, the Lakers are about to pull this off. And then all of a sudden, Denver rallies and takes the game away from them. Um, you're right. We've seen the Sixers in Boston just flat out curl up in a corner and, and put their thumbs in their mouths and call it a day. That 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 is on the players. You are highly played individuals who should have a lot of pride, okay? And when things are going bad, no matter how things are, you keep playing like you've never played before. Yeah. And yet the Sixers players and the Boston players have done the complete opposite, okay? That's on the players. People say, well, that's the coach. Nah, it's not the coach. You know, it, it's, the, it's the players. It's your desire. It's your will to compete. You know, even when you feel like you're being embarrassed, even when you feel like no matter what you do, it's just not your day. You go out there. People pay good money to see you You give 100% effort from start to finish. If you're severely banged up, you just do what you can to keep rolling. We get that. Yeah. But when your frontline players are there, you have got to play better than your show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're stealing. You're stealing money. It's basically mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. You're cheating the fans out of a uh, out of a good product, and you're stealing money. Is the bottom line. One thing, it's Scott. Uh, last thing on Scott, he said, uh, "Embiid has not had a good coach. Someone who needs to teach him how to play tough and forget about the layups." Could be right on the ball. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, and I think that one of the things, whoever whoever they end up doing, and, and apparently the candidates are Nick Nurse, Monty Williams, Budenholzer. Uh, D'Antoni, am I missing anybody? Frank Vogel, maybe. I think that's it. Uh, 
part of the conversation for me, if I'm Daryl Morey in the Sixers front office with who, who, whichever candidate, I'm going to give them carte blanche to be a little bit harder on him and lean into him a little bit more. And, and, and look, if he pushes back, he pushes back. Maybe that's what leads to his exit the following year or the year after that, whatever. But I would, I would absolutely, and it's a fine line now because guys will check out. I know, but you got to be a little bit harder on him. That, that's a valid point. But if I'm a new coach coming in, I need my, I need my MVP, my frontline player, all on board because the other players will rally around his mood, his body language. I don't need him moping. Um, that's a that's a tough balance because you're right. There are times when he needs to be pushed. There are times in practices and in games where coach needs to get in the star player's face and go, what the heck are you doing? You're better than this, man. Wake up. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But is Embiid the kind of player, will he pout or will he accept that challenge? Will he will it, will it rejuvenate him if a coach yells at him or will he shut down? It's the same thing with your kids. Some of your kids, when you yell at them, it makes them stronger. Some of them you have to use with kit gloves yeah. because if you yell at them, they curl up and shut down. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a true gauge in terms of what Embiid is when it comes to that. Did Doc Rivers treat him like the pampered child, or did Doc Rivers ever have get, really get on him? We never saw it, and, and obviously, no writer ever wrote about it. Because the Sixers' practices are closed for the most part. You know, they only let the media in at the end um, when they're doing a shoot-around. So anything that really went on in the practice, you don't get to see. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what type of mental makeup an Embiid has. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's come back. I, I want to give you a little football news, Derek, when we come back. I'll give you that. All right. And then we'll dive a little bit into the, to the Phillies. And then we'll get into our GOATs, our all-time greats on the offensive side of the ball based on uh, on the passing of Jim Brown. So we'll do all those kind of things uh, when we get back. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Day, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Pro Action Restoration. Uh, you know, whether it's fire or water or smoke or mold damage, whatever the case may be, if a property you own, if your home, your business gets hit with that, man, it is really, really difficult. And they are the place that you reach out to if that happens, because they will not only get there in a speedy fashion, they will clean up the problem and it will be done right. I can tell you that from personal experience. I went through this a few years back at my parents' house. It was a Saturday. They got flooded in their basement. I reached out to Pro Action Restoration. They got right there. They cleaned up the mess and it could not have been a better situation. It was just a giant relief for me and my parents. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro-action restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, it could be water, it could be fire, it could be smoke damage, mold remediation. You name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. In. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We do appreciate it. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, we're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, Gunner found this one interesting. We had heard whispers about this, but uh, according to PFT, Pro Football Talk, uh, it is official, subject to approval, by the way, from the league. But 
Tom Brady has uh, has struck up a deal to buy a minority stake in the Las Vegas Raiders from Mark Davis. Uh, must uh, transaction must be approved by the league. It won't happen at this week's uh, meetings. But he already owns a minority stake in the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, a team also owned by Mark Davis. And there's no reason to think the league would not approve of this. So Brady would have a piece that does not affect uh, if he wanted to go into broadcasting. There's no restrictions on that. Uh, you do wonder if he has a, a Raiders game, how he's going to be objective. That's personally, I, I would wonder about that. But regardless, looks like Brady's going to have a little stake in the uh, in the Raiders. Well, first of all, I don't think a network that hires Brady is going to allow him to do a Raiders game. I think that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. You know, and I think there's enough good matchups around the league. You can easily avoid that. Um, but why not? More and more players are starting to buy into pro teams. You know, not everybody has Tom Brady's money. And as, as much money as Tom Brady has made as a football player, he's made even more in outside interest. I mean, he bought a piece in that uh, – um, what's that? What's the game you like to Pickle play? Pickleball. Pickleball. He's bought a stake in that. Mm -hmm. So why not? I mean, how much money can you have? And even if he, no matter, we don't know how much he had to give up in a divorce settlement. Obviously it's not hurting him. You look at Aaron Rodgers owns a piece of the Milwaukee bucks. Mm -hmm. So why not? You know, all you're doing from a business perspective, money makes money. Okay. And you look at this, this Raiders franchise, it's, it's not one of the more prominent football teams in the National Football League. But look where it is. It has a stadium where people will go because of Vegas. You know, people that are there to gamble will say, hey, let's take you in a football game just to see. Um, there's more money than the Raiders know what to do with uh, generated by that team because of its location. And you think, okay, of all the potential teams – that Tom Brady could have bought into. Why the Raiders? Because of where the Raiders are strategically located. If they were still in Oakland, I don't think Tom Brady would pursue this. Mm. As, as loyal as the Oakland fan base is, that team generates more money now being in Vegas than it ever has in Oakland. And, and, on a, when I'm, I'm talking about when you compare a year's right. worth of revenue. Right. So it's a good business move from him. And obviously, Brady's surrounded by top-notch business people say, hey, Tom, this is a great investment right now. I mean, first and foremost, in a general sense, if you can buy into a professional football team, because the NFL is a cash cow, you can't lose money. Oh, it, it, it's, it is a absolute cash. You're right. It's a money-making machine. You know, the new TV money hasn't kicked in yet. Merchandise sales are through the roof. Concessions are through the roof. You accidentally make money in the National Football League. Whereas if you look across Major League Baseball, hockey, you have to be strategically associated with a certain team in a certain city with a certain history to really make money off their team. Other teams struggle. The bottom tier teams do struggle and, 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 and struggle to stay above water. But the NFL, I mean, even Cleveland, Houston, Indianapolis, teams like that, they're making money. Yeah. You know, the money they're getting off the TV revenues that the owners uh, share it's stupid money. It's what I call stupid money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you can't even begin to imagine. And there's more coming. It's not like oh, it's country, going up. Yeah, the country country is going to be in a recession. Not the NFL. The NFL no. will never be in a recession. And wait till the streaming stuff starts. It's another revenue. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, source of revenue. I know. 
I know people aren't going to be happy about it. But yeah, I, look, we're going to see more and more of this because when you've made the kind of money Brady's made, LeBron's made, uh, Alex Rodriguez, whatever, we could run through the other sports. You you have the kind of bread to at least be a minority owner in these yeah. teams. You may yeah. not be the majority. You may not be you know Jeffrey Lurie, but you can get a piece of this with the kind of money that those guys have and still have plenty of left over to have an unbelievable life. So, you know, we're going to see more and more with these salaries. Think about, think about like, um, I don't know. I'll, I'll give you an example, like Jalen Hurts. Let's say Jalen Hurts, the deal, that he, the $255 million deal that he signed is up before he's the age of 30. <laughs> Let's say he's playing at a really high level and he gets, he gets another one of those, which, you know, with inflation, Let's say he gets a $355 million deal. Think about the amount of money that he will have made by the time his NFL career is over. He can absolutely get involved in ownership. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question about it. And you're buying a small stake. It's not like you want controlling interest. It's not like you want to have a say in the day-to-day operations of the team. You buy. It's an investment. It's a sound investment to buy a piece of an NFL team right now. Uh, not just looking at the financial structure of the team today, but looking at the bigger picture. Look at the projection numbers over the last 10 years in the NFL, and there's more to come. This is all before streaming is going to become an everyday part of our vocabulary when we start talking about uh, the NFL. Look at how long they buckled before they wanted anything to do with gambling. Now everything that they do has some kind of, whether it's DraftKings, parks, whatever the case may be, now there's gambling all across the NFL. What's next for this league? I'm sure there's things there, there are things that are coming. YouTube, for that matter. When did you ever think the NFL would have a, a stake in YouTube? Great point. Look at I, it now. Yeah. You know, so where's it going after this? I, yeah, I. You know what? I. It's right, Derek. It's it's going. It's going to be streaming. It's going. Look, we're going to end up having to pay for. Every, I think every regular season game. I don't want to depress people here, but I think that's where it's headed. Even in a in, in bad economic times, the NFL yeah. will not lose money because of the insatiable uh, fixation Correct. we have. As a society, on pro football, we only get it once a week. We only get it. It is the shortest season of any pro sports. And because of the magnitude and the hype that we build up within ourselves week to week, we can't get enough of it. We just, we can't. It's, it's, it's like an addiction. We can't get enough football. And don't think the NFL doesn't know that because every time they test us, we respond by flooding unbelievable capital into it you know direct tv yeah like derek we do it but we go kicking and screaming but we still do it we still do it you can't get enough people were griping about i'm not paying direct tv to get this what is this nfl ticket thing yeah nfl ticket became popular right i'm not paying to watch games on amazon but it became popular yeah even though a lot of the games were trash people still watched because it was pro football and you're still going to watch. It's going to cost you more, and you're willing to spend more. I mean, Rob, I can't even begin to tell you the stories um, about every year we hear stories about people refinancing their homes just to get enough money to go to a Super Bowl. You're not refinancing your homes to take equity out 
to improve your home. You're refinancing your home and you're taking a cash equity out of your home to have money so a group of your family members and friends can get together and go to a Super Bowl or a playoff for that matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen in other sports like you're this. right. No, you're right. Listen, no, no argument there, man. Um, all right, so let, let's dip into a little Phillies here, Derek, before we go dig, go hard into our NFL stuff. Uh, they won to one yesterday over the Cubs. Well-pitched game, which was huge. They got two straight outings uh, on Saturday and Sunday, both from Aaron Nola and then Taiwan Walker yesterday, which they needed really badly because they had been destroying their bullpen and just ripping through these guys because the yep. starters hadn't been able to go deep. Both pitchers, to their credit. I thought Nola was the best that he's been all year. It was vintage Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. He had everything yeah. working for him. Located the fastball. All his off-speed stuff was was right on point. And Taiwan Walker made a, uh, a mechanical adjustment where he's more upright. He was sort of more hunched over in his previous start. And he said that helped him a lot. Um, and he attacked the zone. He gave him five and a third, two hits, no runs. Uh, so he, it, that was big because he didn't get out of the first inning in his previous outing in San Francisco. And he had, he had been a problem. So they get two good pitching outings. They get massive offense on Saturday and they got just enough with a pinch home run by Bryson Stott, which was, you know, clutch, uh, to get a two, one win. They take two out of three, but it's funny. You and I had the same reaction when we were talking about this in our pre-show meeting, like, okay, good. You get two out of three from the Cubs. I'm not trusting you yet. Like nope. You're nowhere near the trust level nope. yet. Nope. Not even close. Nope. 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 You got bombed by the Cubs the first game. You let the Cubs come in here and bomb you the first game. Yep. You yep. have Arizona, Atlanta, and the Mets coming up now. Three teams with winning records. Yep. All of a sudden, the Mets have caught fire. They've won five in a row. Yep. Uh, you have three teams that can hit, three teams with pretty good pitching. Um, I don't trust them. I still don't trust them yet. I refuse mm-hmm. to trust the Phillies. They're still two games below sea level. They still have not taken off. They've continued to hit in spurts. You brought you brought up a great point last week. That I, I looked up over the weekend in my limited time to do anything with all the family and stuff. <laughs> all here. your birthday festivities. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, this has been a streaky team. Win five in a row, lose four in a row, lose six in a row, win two in a row. I don't trust this Phillies team. They're still navigating through uh, some injuries. Um, that lineup now with Harper back in there is a better lineup. It still does not hit with consistency uh, like it should be right now. And we're approaching the 1st of June, and we're still waiting for this team to wake up as a team. Now, who knows? Maybe they pull what they did last year. Yep. You know, they struggle through April and May, and all of a sudden, when June gets here, the light switch goes on. But as we sit here right now, especially the next three series coming up against Atlanta, Arizona, and the Mets – I am not in any way, shape, or form getting excited about this Phillies team thinking, all right, they just took care of two out of three from the Cubs. They've turned a co- Nope, I don't trust them yet. Because you, I agree with you. Aaron Nola pitched probably his best game of the year. What's Aaron Nola going to do the next game? Uh, Rob Thompson got away with using, uh, using Walker uh, on short notice. He got away with it this time. I don't think you can live and die by that, doing it again. This team still doesn't have a fifth starter. The bullpen is still not where it should be. They've got the arms. I mean, they got some flamethrowers on the back end, mm-hmm. but every time they throw a good game, they'll throw four good games and then throw a bomb the next game. Yeah. I don't trust them. I, no. I, I just can't trust this team yet. I'm not there either. I, I found this interesting. Uh saw these stats yesterday, Derek, and you tell me what you think. Because you remember we wondered before the season, 
Uh oh. My my man Rob Ellis, unfortunately, is in freeze mode right now. Uh, hopefully he gets that problem rectified. See, I told Rob he needs to do what I did. Rob and Barrett Brooks, you know, teased me for weeks because there was a week when I was having an internet connection problem. So I went out, Xfinity, got a stronger box, haven't had those kinds of problems. But to to get back to what, what Rob was talking about, um, there's there's no excuse for this Phillies team to be where it is right now. Yes, they have navigated through a multitude of injuries. Uh, especially with the arms starting pitching. We still are waiting for Suarez to get back to where he was. Uh, Soto has the potential to be an outstanding pitcher consistently in the back end. Oh, are you back? Eric, it's, that was, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? You got me? I got you. Yeah. My desktop just went black. Like, I don't know what the heck happened, man. I didn't touch anything. I didn't move. It just went. And then I just restarted it. And I'm, I don't know what – I swear to you, I have no idea what just went on, man. We see, didn't even see, lose power. See, when you froze, I was telling the chat, I said, see, Rob and Barrett weeks ago were teasing me all week because I had a bad week with internet connections, <laughs> you know, picture, sound. And I said, okay, I took the ribbing and just – I went out to Xfinity store at the mall and I got a stronger, uh, stronger box – and yeah. now every day I've asked my kids for the last week because I have two kids who work from their rooms for companies. Yeah. And the Wi-Fi has been the best it's been in a long time. So you're going to have to get up, go to your Xfinity store, <laughs> and tell them you need a stronger box. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, maybe, right. maybe it was your laptop. Maybe it was just a laptop. I, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, but but oh, this is what I wanted to b- bounce past you because we were asking the question, all right, will that World Series run, will they do well attendance-wise in the beginning of the season? Or are people still going to be in a wait and see mode? Okay. It's a resounding. Yes, they are good. They are filling up the ballpark. Derek. So they sold out yesterday. They sold out Saturday. Again. Uh, They have the, they are second in major league baseball in average attendance behind only the Dodgers. They have sold out 13 of their 21 home games. They're averaging 13,000 more this time this year than they were last year. So the fans have have been coming out in droves for this team. Not only that, but this team has struggled and the fans are still coming out. So the fan base is excited about what this team can potentially do. They're frustrated, but 13 sellouts in the first two months of the season. Before school's out, when it's still a little chilly at times. Yeah, Yeah. that that doesn't happen in baseball. It really doesn't. And the fact that they're number two behind only the Dodgers, I thought you were going to throw the Yankees in there as well. Because as we know, historically, Yankees live and die their baseball. You know, yep. Yankee fans live and die for baseball. But the fact that they're number two in terms of average attendance, that tells you what this fan base thinks about this team. And they're just waiting to see it. They haven't, you know, it can be hot or cold with Philadelphia sports fans. It can shut off as quickly as it's turned on. And yet this fan, this fan base has been patient and faithful in terms of turning out. Now, granted, fans want to see who the competition they're playing as well. Some mm-hmm. players on those teams, but for the most part, you couldn't ask you couldn't ask for more loyalty from this Philadelphia baseball fan base. Yeah, they they look they want it bad. They they want this team to be that consistent, you know, contender where it's and they don't they don't want, they know. I think the fans realize you know what happened last year was miraculous to go twenty two and twenty nine and then turn it around right, the way that they did. Right, right. Um, but now it's on the team. And as you mentioned, just real quick, and then we'll we'll get to our NFL stuff. 
if you look at what they have coming up here, you know, Arizona has been a surprisingly good team. They're off yes, to they a, a much better start than people thought. Um, they're, they're, they're 27 and 20 props to them. It's a very young team. Um, but what, you, what you're looking at beyond that, and to put it in perspective, Phillies are 22 and 24 and they're in fourth place, you know, yeah. they're in their, in their division, yeah. but here's what they have coming up now. Now it gets real. So you get Arizona here for three. Then you go down to Atlanta, Derek, over the weekend, Memorial <laughs> Day weekend, which is crazy. Memorial Day is Monday, by the way, a week from today. Yep. Uh, you go down to Atlanta for, for, for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you go to New York with the Mets for three after that. You know, then you get Washington and Detroit. Okay. But after that, L, the Dodgers come here. Yep. You go to Arizona again. Yep. Uh, two series later, you get Atlanta again and the Mets again. And like, you know, this stuff gets real now. Like you, yeah, this is why you should have capitalized early when it was, it was a lot less, this, the uh, challenge of the schedule. If you look at the month of June, they still got to play Tampa Bay, Miami's Miami's going to be sticking around. Miami's here. no layover. No, Miami's no. in front of them right now in the standings. Exactly. You still got to deal with Miami at Miami in uh, the early part of July. You got their fourth uh, uh, of July, uh, starting fourth of July. You got Tampa Bay for three. Tampa Bay's no joke. Now, Washington as eh, a team is still struggling, but yeah. you don't know what you're going to get from Washington um, game in and game out. Right. Um, I'm looking at Washington standings. They're seven games below sea level. They haven't scored a lot of runs, but compared to other teams in the National League, they're right in the mix in terms of not giving up a lot of runs. They're minus 21 in the differential, but they're not giving up a lot of runs. There are other teams that have given up a lot more runs than they have. I mean, the Cincinnati Reds, the Diamondbacks even, as good as they've been, they've given up more runs than Washington. The Rockies, who the Phillies have struggled with, they've given up more runs. So you you just never know with this team. And if the Phillies don't get it together now, I don't even want to think about what they could possibly look like by the time the first half of the season's over. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yep. I, I couldn't agree with you more. All right, let, let's get a quickie in here, Gunner. And uh, we'll look back at the, uh, you know, amazing career of Jim Brown, who passed away. Uh, and we'll we'll do our goats uh, on the offensive side of the ball. We'll also, there's some other odds and ends. Uh, yeah, some odds and ends, too, uh, NFL-wise. Stuff that we'll get into with teams in their, into their OTAs and whatnot. We'll do all those kind of things uh, when we return. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk right now about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company. They'll trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. So if you have any type of tree issues in your yard or your property, they're just a quick phone call away. And they're, like I said, they're experts at trimming all types of trees. They serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Uh, Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. 
Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. <sighs> so go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Welcome back, everybody. Yes. How are you guys doing? Uh, I don't know what's that. We're having some weird stuff. There's some weird stuff going on. My phone is weird. So I tried to send you guys something, Derek yeah. and Tone. Tone, our producer, Tone to Shields, does an awesome job. And I don't, I'm getting a, 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 I don't know what I'm getting this like weird signal back from it. Uh, saying it, it failed to send it. So I don't, I, I'm, I don't think you got it, Gunner. I don't know if Tone got it. Um, but if he did, I want to, it's very weird. So we got home, <clears throat> we were, we were at a graduate, my, my goddaughter, shout out to, to uh, my beautiful goddaughter, Annabelle, who graduated from Villanova. We were at her graduation party uh, yeah. after work yesterday. Yeah. She's the best. Um, so we, we, we got home. And I see this, this, uh, this dad and his son, the son's probably like four years old yeah, and the dad, yeah. right. And they're standing on our sidewalk and they're looking, they're looking at our front lawn. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here, man? Mm. So the, the, fa the father says, Hey, uh, we're, you know, we're just, we're looking at the, uh, at the woodpecker. I'm like what? <laughs> 
So I have a, if I hope tone, I don't know if you got it or not tone, just let me know in the private chat or text me or whatever. Um, okay. We have it. Beautiful. All right. Let me, let me show you this. I, I had right. no idea this was going on, Derek. Okay. So check this out. This was something I came home to yesterday. Tone's going to, going to bring it up for us. All right. Here, this is my front lawn. You see that stump? Yep. yep. Stump. Okay. okay. All right. So, all right. Let, let it roll tone. Here we go. Check this out. I'm going to zoom in a little bit here. You see the woodpecker with the red, the red yeah. on top? Oh, yeah. My man is going to town on this stump. Like he is, is going to work. I, I'm telling you, like he ripped out almost, see, see it flying? See the wood flying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's digging deep. He's got almost half of this stump, Derek, like at the surface out now a, after yesterday. He sat there for like an hour. Just pecking away, is that not wild? Hey man, I've always said woodpeckers should should get CTE scans, dude. Because <laughs> when you live near trees, normally they're, they're carving out wood hole to try to build a nest in the wood. But that knocking early in the morning, da, 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 yes, is all day long. So at least it's just a stump for you. But I'm trying to figure out is it trying to find like like um, termites in there? What is it trying to find? Well, the objective, I think. And thank you, Tone. Appreciate it. Good hustle on that. The objective, I think, and by the way, like he was hitting it hard, right? Hard. But I think what he's trying to do is get through the wood, get in there and get some bugs to eat and worms and stuff. Like yeah, I think what yeah. the object, that's the objective of, of the, uh, of the woodpecker. Well, they love their insects. They love His, termites. They love all that stuff. The um, hair on top was yeah. like the reddest of red you'll ever see. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Fast, they're fascinating birds, no question about it. Yeah. But think they spend the bulk of their day, you know, just tapping holes in the wood, man. It's like, how do you not damage your beak, first of I all? Saw, I thought the same thing. Like CTE, I'm telling you, how do they not have – maybe that's why woodpeckers are so so different. They're out there a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of like kind of like us. Exactly. That, a little bit out there. A little we different. don't even have that excuse. But, yeah, no, it, it would no. make a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. I'd share that with you. Um. All right, so what also happened uh, over the week, actually Friday, after we signed off, uh, they, they, it was announced that Jim Brown passed away. He was 87 years old. You know, you, when you consider the era that he played in, Derek, yeah, for him to live and still be in, you know, have his faculties with him in a, in, in a pretty strong way at 87 years old is pretty crazy, right? Um, pro Football College Hall of Famer, only played nine years in the NFL for the Browns, 57 Oof. through 65. Led the, the league in rushing eight of those nine years. Now, he had 12,312 yards when he retired. Keep in mind, back yep. then they played 12 and 14 games. Yep. Average 5.2 yards per carry, Pro Bowl selection all nine years, MVP three times, won a championship in 64, never missed a game, nope. never. Uh, rushed for over 1,000 yards seven of those seasons. Um you know, he was 30 years old when he retired at Syracuse. His, his senior year, he played football, across basketball and track. He played four sports. Many consider him the greatest lacrosse player to ever live. You know, had, had he had the technology of today and played you know, in today's game where it was even more fast paced and all that probably would have been even more dominant. But, uh, you know, beyond remarkable. Beyond remarkable. I, did you get a chance to see him at all when you were a kid, when you were little? A couple of times. Okay. The thing that impressed me the most is he ran with power, and he could run away from you as well. 
he inflicted more pain when he hit would-be tacklers than he received. For a running back to not miss a game in a nine-year career, and on top of that, Rob, he averaged for his career 104.3 yards per game rushing. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of. He averaged Incredible. over 100 yards rushing a game. He was also voted to the NFL's 50th, 75th, and 100th all-time best teams. That shows you the volume of respect that his, his, his brethren had for his overall contributions to the game. But the fact that he walked away from – he had t- over 12,300 yards in nine seasons. How many yards would he have had rushing had he played, let's say, until his mid-30s? I think he would have routinely gotten over 2,000 yards or close to it per season. I, I don't doubt it. in that era. Now, people forget, too. They said the era wasn't as as fast or as big or as strong. But yet, it was in some ways, it was a more volatile era because there were no rule restrictions. You can't hit here. You can't do this. You can't try. Mm-hmm. You know, it was open season and how people tackled. So players would have been more susceptible to getting hurt. Because let's face it, there were a lot of players that would that borderline dirty football play to take players out of out of games, you know, back then. And he oh, survived no all of that. You know, mm-hmm. he he survived all of that uh, to do what he did. And then he decided acting was more important than playing football, and yep. walked away from the game. And he was such a great. Now you think about this also. He came up in a time when racism in America was at a very volatile point. You know, not to say that it's not now, but even more so back in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. And he was very active in terms of trying to get better conditions for African-Americans, better equality. So he was very outspoken back then, you know, but it, it, it could only be a person like a Jim Brown who could get away with that. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's just like, you know, you Jim Brown, Muhammad right Ali, person. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes. there, there, there were that you... You had to have real gravitas uh, to yes. be able to do what he did. Yeah. Yes. And he stood on a platform in many cases by himself, you know, yep. and throughout his life, you know, he was such an activist throughout his life. He never wavered one iota. Even when he became an older, older man, he still was very about outspoken about America and where, where America is and where it should be and so on and so forth. Um, yep. Great. Just a great all around individual. Uh, we lost a truly great one who gave us so much, not just in the game of football, but in life in general. Yeah. Um, and, you know, was a guy who after retirement. So the, uh, let me, real quick, the story goes and this is classic Jim Brown. So he's filming the Dirty Dozen, one of the all time great movies. Right. And he's, still movie. a play, he's still playing it. He still had planned on playing at that point. OK, they're doing it over the summer and. You know, everything got delayed. There were setbacks. They they didn't they didn't finish when they were supposed to finish. So he's in touch with the Browns and, and he's saying to them, "Look, I'm stuck over. I forget where they filmed it. It's somewhere in Europe." And he's like, "I'm stuck over here." And you know, et cetera, et cetera. And and, and Art Modell starts pushing back, saying, "You you better get your rear end here or or, or else or whatever." Mm-hmm. And Jim Brown's like, "Or else? Okay, I'm done. Like I'm out." And they thought he was bluffing. And he never played again. Like he just, that was the way he was a principled dude who just, that was it. I'm done. So he went into acting. He went into, you know, all the civil rights, you know, stuff that he was involved in the activism and whatnot. And it was, that was it. He, he never, ever went back. And he, he, look, he made peace with them years later and he was fine with the Browns and, and, and there's a statue out front of their, their stadium of him and all that. Mm-hmm. But 
It was, mm-hmm. he was different, man, Jim Brown. And he, I'll tell you the other thing he did. He did a lot for, to try to squelch gang activity uh, in particular yes. in Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, as mm. he got a little bit older. Now, complicated guy there. He had, you know, domestic violence issues and he wasn't a saint, uh, but right, he, right. he's a remarkable guy in terms of, you know, what a, a football life and a life beyond football uh, was Jim Brown. He, he was so public, Rob, you know, as we as we move on with the history of this country, the younger generation loses track of those who came before them in, in sports. Let's let's just say in sports in particular. And there are a lot of players and a lot of people coming up. They can't identify with who Gail Sayers was, who Jim Brown was, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was Lou, Lou Alcindor. But with Jim Brown, he was such a public figure that even with today's younger people. He, he was still like a Pied Piper. He was a hero. Um, and, and when they, or I'm sure initially, well, who's Jim Brown? But then they took it upon themselves to, to find out about who this man was and what he meant. And that's why he has so many red carpets in front of him wherever he went, because he was one of the few players and a few people that you could not forget. Um, his name was synonymous with excellence. And you're right. He did have his dark moments. But because of his sports history, his legacy, and what he did, he tried to do for us as a society. You know, he stayed at the forefront and was treated with the utmost respect because he kept himself out there fighting for these causes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well said. Well said. Um, so with that in mind, we thought, you know what, let's have a little fun with this. And today we'll do offense. Tomorrow we'll do defense. Because goats thrown around a lot, and you, you know you right. can legitimately throw Jim Brown's name in any kind of goat conversation, as far as I'm concerned. So we're going to look at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. We're not going to do offensive line, but we'll do the the those four skill positions, and let's look at who we have as the goat. Okay, um, why don't we go back and forth? You you want to. Okay. Um, you want to go first with quarterback. I'll go first with running back. You go first with receiver. I'll go first with tight end. How about that? That work? Okay. Oh, sure. Right, who's, your, who's your go QB? When, when we discussed this in our pre-show meeting, you know, you start automatically thinking about names like Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino. But as much as it pains me to say this, there's unequivocally no doubt that Tom Brady is the goat of quarterbacks. There's no question. First of all, this man played at a high level into his 40s. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the man went to 10 Super Bowls. He won seven. You look at the stats he consistently put up uh, throughout his career. You know, people, I always talk about how, you know, sometimes you change, you change teams and you don't have the same measure of success because you're in a different system. They want you to be in their system. Tom Brady went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl his first year with the Buccaneers mm-hmm. as well. And that all, that's all you need to know about Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't the flashiest quarterback out there, wasn't the fastest quarterback out there. He was the epitome of what a pocket passer is. Tom Brady did not have the strongest arm, but Tom Brady got the ball to wherever he needed it to go with a high sense of accuracy and efficiency. So for me, there's no question Tom Brady is the GOAT among quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I, I wish I could I could disagree. Um, I I, th- I thought about I always, I never thought anybody passed Montana. I never mm. did. Um, mm-hmm. I I just that guy to me like was the epitome of clutch, and I just watched him 
perform surgery on teams in these Super Bowls at mm-hmm. times. Like he killed the Broncos. He killed the Dolphins. Now he had a couple tight games against Cincinnati, but even, even when he was sort of towards the end of his Niners career, he was great in that game too. Um, and he was unbelievable. I didn't get a chance to see Unitas, but I respect everybody's opinion on Unitas yeah. who said he was the one who really took the passing game into the, you know, the next century or whatever. Um, so I would definitely consider him, but I, how do you look the track record of Brady with the amount of wins that he had and the amount of times getting there too. I mean, he took a, an undefeated Patriots team to a, to a Super Bowl and lost. Like it's, it's remarkable. And, and then he leaves new England, Derek, and it we're proving mm-hmm. it's not just Belichick and wins it in Tampa. Um, I even, I'm convinced too. Like if Tampa had better personnel, he probably me may have stuck around for even another year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think he's number one. I, I think he's the guy. Uh, if you if you came at me with with Montana, I'd have a hard time arguing. Um, but I, I would absolutely go Brady. Brady is my go. So well, you 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 look at a Montana. Here's Montana. Montana wasn't the most athletic quarterback. Montana was a mobile quarterback. He was he had the ability to buy time until a receiver could free himself. But Montana wasn't one of these quarterbacks that was just going to step up and run. Montana didn't have the greatest arm, but Montana had a very accurate arm, like a Tom Brady. He was very accurate, very acute with his passing. Um, and, 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 and to me, Joe Montana is the second greatest quarterback that ever played the game to me. And I'm talking about going back to the Johnny Unitas, the Bart Stars, you know, quarterbacks like that, that that came up through the ranks. When you look at the body of work of Joe Montana and you look at the number of Super Bowls he won as well, um, Joe Montana was exceptional in everything that he did. He was such a technician and he was so consistent with how he did it. Mm -hmm. But you can't put anybody above Tom Brady. There's no way. If you're you're being honest with yourself, whether you like Tom Brady, whether you like the uniform he won or not, you cannot put anybody above Tom Brady. Yeah, with that kind of longevity too. Uh, all right, I'll I'll uh, I'll hit running back first. I am okay. going Jim Brown. I am, I, okay. and I know the numbers pale in comparison to all the people who came after him because they played more games than he played. Uh, played probably played more years. I mean, Emmett Smith, as great as he was, played forever and accumulated a lot of yards because he played forever uh, the last few years. But to to go out when he went out, having played 12, 14 games, still averaging the, the yards per carry that he averaged, being as dominant as he was in an era where they were, yes, they ran it more, Derek, but they were geared to stop the run too yes. in that era more. Um, I think he was the most dominating force that, that we've maybe ever seen in the game. And, you know, in terms of just uh, a, a guy that you had to account for at all times, it was him. Any team that you were, any team that was playing him, first and foremost had to stop him. They weren't. They weren't concentrating <laughs> yes. on anybody else. That's the kind of influence and impact that uh, that Jim Brown had. So I'm going to take Jim Brown as my as my running back. I immediately thought of Walter Payton. Walter Payton ran for over sixteen thousand yards in his career. <clears throat> Walter Payton is a Hall of Famer, as is Jim Brown. Um, Walter Payton. Nine Pro Bowls, seven first-team All-Pros, 110 rushing touchdowns, 15 receiving touchdowns. Man. Um, 
I think a guy like Bo Jackson could have been in that conversation had his career not been cut short because of that hip injury. Yeah. Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders walked away the game. If Barry Sanders had kept playing, there's no question right now, Barry Sanders would have been the all-time rushing leader. There's no question. You're right, Derek. Very similar to Jim Brown at the, at the time of his yes. career when he walked away. Yes. Yep. He walked away uh, from the game. Earl Campbell, Emmett Smith, the list can goes on. But there's no question Jim Brown is the, is the best of the best who ever did it. To yeah. never miss a game in nine years, to rush for over twelve thousand yards in nine seasons, hundred and six career touchdowns, twenty receiving touchdowns. He was a Pro Bowler not all nine years. Think about this: he was a Pro Bowler all nine years of his NFL career. First mm-hmm. team All Pro eight times out of the nine years he played in the National Football League. Jim right. Brown was unstoppable in his era. So for me, there's no question, Jim Brown was the best running back to ever put on a football football uniform in the National Football League. And, yes, I I see what you're saying, Scott. Gail Sayers was an incredible running back. Earl Campbell. Emmitt Smith is up there. Emmitt Smith, um, one of the all-time greatest. But nobody, nobody was better than Jim Brown. Yeah, and it's a shame. You know, Gail Sayers is an example of a career cut short, what it could have been. If you go back and watch the the just – highlight film of Gil Sayers. I mean, oh my God, punt returns, cutbacks. Like he was the first oh. guy I, that I, that I really think perfected the art of the cutbacks, but yeah, Gil Sayers was, oh, great. I mean, it's a shame. He just, his knees got shredded. Yeah, that's another thing. If these guys played in this era, some of, a lot of them could have come back from some of those injuries, but yeah, a lot of them were never the did. same afterwards. No, no, you know? no. Technology and Gail Sayers tried his best to hang on. He just was not the same runner. The thing I, I, I tell you, I always like my favorite uh, running back will always be my favorite position, but I call them the scat backs. The scat backs have always been my favorite type of running backs. When I look at running backs like Gail Sayers and Barry Sanders, that style of running, is always my favorite has always been my favorite style of mm-hmm. runners. The guy who can make you make you miss, who could stop on a dime and cut and start in another direction and pick up acceleration immediately. You know, a lot of backs take a few steps to, to pick up that acceleration. Those kind of and when you think about this, when Gale Sayers played, there were no such thing as dome stadiums. No. Everybody played outside. Gale Sayers played on ice, played in mud. And Gail Sayers could still cut on a dime mm-hmm. at any given moment and make you miss. Um, yeah. They weren't considered power backs, but they were considered backs that frustrated the heck out of defenses because you couldn't get a beat on them. You couldn't square up on them. You know, look at Barry Sanders' highlight reel, even in today's modern game, uh, since the advent of Dome Stadiums as well. Look at his ability to cut. to bounce. Mm-hmm. Now, he had that low center of gravity, sure. but his ability to cut – and make people miss was Im- impeccable. Incredible. And so that's why I love those type of running back. Eric Dickerson, you know, Chuck, you're right. Eric Dickerson, another one of my all time favorite running sure. backs. Eric Different Dickerson style, upright, very upright, yeah. big coming through. Yeah. Right. But he could also, he could run over you or he can make you miss and run past you. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Eric Dick- Dickerson from his days at F- SMU and the, co- and the pro ranks as well. Yep. Uh, Pony Express backfield with he and Craig James. Oh, uh, all Craig right. James. Receiver D gun. Uh, you have the floor. Could you have said Randy Moss? Could you have even hit, said Harold Owens, Larry mm-hmm. Fitzgerald? Yeah. Answers yes to all of those, but there was nobody, nobody better than Jerry Rice 
at the receiving position. Jerry Rice was not the biggest receiver. Jerry Rice was not the fastest receiver. But Jerry Rice was the smartest receiver. He was technically sound well ahead of his time. Uh, he had unbelievable hands. Jerry Rice very seldom dropped a pass. There's a reason why Jerry Rice had almost 20, almost 23,000 receiving yards and 197 touchdowns. <laughs> Jerry Rice had 1,549 catches in his Insane. career. Insane volume of catches and yardage. Jerry Rice was a gazelle. This receiver comes out of this little college called Mississippi Valley State, and people are like, okay, he'll be a nice receiver. Jerry Rice, his work ethic, running up and down the mountains out there in San Francisco, this hill he would eventually start taking other receivers to work out with him was killer. Jerry Rice was a workaholic, a trainaholic, and it showed on the football field. Everybody wanted to be like Jerry Rice as a player. Yeah, well said. How about this one, Derek? So you remember the 87 season that was only 12 games because of the strike? Yeah. yeah. He had 22 catch down, touchdown catches in that season. That's ridiculous. In 12 that's, games. That's almost that's two ridiculous. per game from a receiver that's, spot. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'm with you. I, th- this one is probably the most cut and dry. Um, and I don't, I don't think anybody touches his – like he is so far ahead. It's sort of like looking at Wayne Gretzky stats in the NHL. Yeah. He's yeah. so far ahead. Of of anybody else, that good luck if you're even going to get close. I definitely think Moss deserves consideration. You know, the problem is like it, it's hard to go back to like Don Hudson and 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 the real old timers yeah, when the yeah, game was yeah, was different yeah. um, back then. But yeah, I would say definitely Moss deserves absolutely consideration. To deserves consideration. Fitzgerald deserves that consideration. Had Calvin Johnson played longer, he's another one. He only played yeah, nine years. Yep. He would have been up there. Uh, Marvin Harrison has ridiculous numbers. He's got yes. crazy numbers. Um, so, you know, he's a guy who probably doesn't get mentioned as much, but should be a thought. Mm. But it's Jerry Rice. And and on top of it, <coughs> Jerry Rice was an unbelievable combination of production and longevity. He played yes. forever. Kept yes. himself in great shape. You know, he, 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 he became – his hands got so strong because his dad was a bricklayer. And his, he'd go to That's jobs right. with his That's dad, right. and his dad would drop bricks down that he had to catch. You know, it's like it's pretty good training. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would agree I would agree with that. It is definitely Jerry Rice. Tight ends a, a tough one. This is a tough one. Yep, I, I, I bet you this is one of the few times we differ. I I went Gronk. Okay, I went Gronk. I went a little bit more modern. Maybe I, it's a little bit of recency bias. I thought about Tony Gonzalez. There's a lot of guys I thought about. You know, you could go back to Ditka, who really revolutionized the position too, and was a mm-hmm. beast back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm going Gronk. I, I, the combination of the ability to block, the size, the speed, the great hands, the agility. You know, obviously having that connection with Brady was just to put him in a different universe. Um, I'm going to go Gronk. How about you? Um. I made a list of my top three tight ends because it was really hard. And so number three for me was Antonio Gates. Mm. Antonio Gates was a beast, a big man who was mobile. You couldn't cover him one-on-one. Antonio Gates uh, had over 11,000 yards receiving. He he averaged almost 12 and a half yards per catch at 116 touchdowns. Yeah. I put Gronk in at number two because Gronk uh, quit quit when he still could have been 
a very viable tight end in today's National Football League. Did you know Gronk only has 621 catches in his career? Yeah, I mean, he stepped away for, for a couple different yeah, he times. Did. He stepped sure away, he did. yeah. Yep. And, he, and he played in a pass-happy offense like New England, and he only has 621 catches, but yet he had 92, over 9,200 receiving yards, and he averaged 15 yards a catch. Jeez. But Gronk was my number two. Catch. Yes, yeah. he was my number two. My number one had to be Tony Gonzalez. I think Tony Gonzalez revolutionized the tight end game. He was a man with size who could also line up at a wide receiver position and outrun wide receivers as well. Mm -hmm. um, very fast, very sure-handed. The man had 270 catches. I mean, 200. he played 270 games, over 1,300 catches, and he had 111 touchdowns. He averaged 11.4 yards per catch. But Tony Gonzalez was a nightmare because you couldn't cover him with a linebacker. A lot of safeties couldn't stay with him. Um, and he was the epitome. Even when he when he left Kansas City and went to Atlanta, mm -hmm. he was still very productive in both entities. Yeah. And so it was tough. I love Gronk. I love his style of play. For a guy like Gronk, 6'7", to be the size he was. I mean, catching a football for Gronk was like catching a baseball in a catcher's, in, in, in a catcher's mitt. Right, but Tony Gonzalez changed the way you play tight end in the game, and so that's why I gave the slight edge to Gonzalez over Gronk. Yeah, all right, uh, that's good. I, all right, so we'll, we'll tomorrow we'll do defense. I mean, we'll do we'll hit corner, we'll hit safety, we'll hit edge rusher, we'll hit you know we'll we'll do it all tomorrow. So we will do the defense tomorrow. But I wanted to throw a couple things past you uh, happening in the NFL. So the activation of the third quarterback is now going to be legal in the NFL. And and mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know why this has not been the case forever with the league. I don't get it. There is a stipulation, though, with it, Derek. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be as a result of an injury, not a coach's choice. So if your okay. one and two are sticking up the joint, you can't go to your three. It's got to be like the, the 49ers last year when your guys go down, then you can insert the third quarterback. Okay. That makes sense. I think it, I think it should have been that way all the time. Yep. I never understood why teams would only have two quarterbacks active in a game. You know, because even though one's holding the clipboard, you just never know. Now, what happened to San Francisco doesn't happen to many teams, but you do now have that option to bring in a legitimate quarterback, no matter how mediocre he may be. And I, I and, and I think it's a good I think it's a good thing. Does that mean now they're going to expand the game day rosters from 46 to whatever it might be? Because the third quarterback does take away another position now that you may need, whether it's a special team player, maybe it's a, another DB, maybe it's an extra wide receiver, you know, depending on who you're matching up against. So I wonder if they're going to expand the game day roster also. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they end up doing there. Um, that's for sure. But yeah, so they have, uh, they've expanded that. I thought you would find this one interesting. So, um, Ben Roethlisberger was on the football in with Ben Roethlisberger podcast that he has okay. over the weekend. And he admitted he initially didn't want Cody Pickett to have immediate success. He said, quote, I'll be completely honest. I'll be super transparent here and I'm not going to get, and I'm going to get blasted. I probably shouldn't say this, but who cares at this point? I wouldn't say that I wanted Kenny necessarily to fail. But when someone comes to replace you, I still feel like I had it. I hope he doesn't come ball out because it's like Ben who. And then, you know, he, he said, quote, early on, uh, I didn't want you to succeed because you followed me up. I didn't want it to happen. 
I think that is probably the selfishness of me, and I feel bad for it. As you started playing well, I found myself rooting for you more and more. I wanted you to succeed. I wanted you to win games. I wanted you to go into the playoffs. I feel bad that I felt that early on, but I'm glad I, I transitioned to having to loving and rooting for you. Anyway, I mean, uh, uh, at least he's honest. He is honest. Um, I guess that is human nature a little bit. The only thing I would say is like, Roethlisberger was clearly done. Like if you get traded or cut and you still feel like you're in your prime and somebody takes over, then I get the like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, forget that guy. Mm -hmm. It's a little, little petty, a little bit. When you've played the game at the, at that level, Rob, you know, a lot of times we lie to ourselves in terms of knowing when we're at the end, you know, players will tell you all the time. Sometimes you take it a little farther than you really should. You know, and, and I think Ben was at, at that stage. Ben wanted to play the game a lot longer. He didn't want to look over his shoulder. Hey, they're bringing in my replacement. I mean, look, Brett Favre told you, I'm not here to train Aaron Rodgers to take my job. Mm-hmm. You know, plain and simple. I understand that. You're trying to protect what's yours, what you have, that camaraderie you have with the guys in the huddle, in the locker room. And when you get together to break bread away from, from the game itself, I, I understand that. And here's this new up and young coming kid who's trying to break in your fraternity, your circle, to try right. to take what you have. I get that. I, I, I appreciate Ben being honest about it. You know, um, Favre made the mistake of admitting that while he was still playing it, and people said you're being selfish. At least Ben waited until after his playing days were over. You know, like you just said, Ben <laughs> said, I don't even, I don't really care right now, but this is the way I felt. Mm-hmm. Think about how many athletes feel that way, but will never say that. They will give you the company line. Hey, you know, if, we, if, it, if this draft pick makes us deeper and stronger and, and better, uh, then I'm on board. I'll do everything I can to help this young man get up to speed. When you know doggone well, Man, they're bringing my replacement. What are they trying to tell me here? Yeah. It makes you a little uncomfortable. It's with anything, even in our business. They bring in some new producer, some new talent. And you're thinking, am I being replaced? Mm-hmm. Is this my replacement? Yeah. And you're a little leery initially about getting close to them. Right. But if you're true to yourself and you're confident in yourself, then that what they do doesn't bother you because whether they keep you or whether they decide eventually they're going to get rid of you, it's going to happen and you have no say so in the matter. Yeah, no question. Uh, a couple other things. Th- this just reeks of. Uh, I'm I'm still trying to hang on, but Jadavian Clowney's open to going back to the Texans. What? Yeah, he's open to returning to the Texans. What kind of relationship does he have with D'Amico Ryan's, if any? I don't know. Has uh, D'Amico reached out to him in any way, shape, or form? I right, don't know. Right. Like, my first reaction was, no. okay, dude, are they interested in you? It's good yeah, that you're yeah, interested. Yeah. You know. If you put something like that out there that tells me there's been some line of communication somewhere. I guess so. You know, and the thing is, if you go back to Houston, you're going to have to go back kind of like wagging your tail between your legs because you're not going to go back there and just command top dollar. Yeah, so his reps had a conversation with the Texans during the offseason. I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. There it is, right there. How much interest does D'Amico have? Because D'Amico is going to bring in any and every player that can help run his scheme. Do the Texans coaches, coaches staff look at the film and say, hey, even in a limited role, 
Jadavian could help us, especially with this new youth movement we're on. He could help us. Now, can he keep his mouth closed and keep his head on straight? Because as we've seen in recent years, he's said some things and done some things that make you wonder, uh-oh, is this guy trying to talk his way or, or, or do things to, to kind of uh, jettison himself out of the league? Yeah. But I do think he has a value there. If he does decide he wants to go back to the Texans, especially if there's not many people knocking on his door, Mm-hmm. He's going to have to eat a little crow, and he's going to have to go in there for probably for the league minimum with incentives involved as well. Yeah, It's not I about agree. the money, Jadavian. It's about yep. you trying to extend your contract in a place where it all began for you under a coach that you have a lot of respect for and who could elongate your career. Yeah, he's only 30, which is hard to believe. See, um, there you go. So Josh Johnson back again with the Ravens. It's his third stint there. 37 years old. You remember he had, he ended up with San Francisco last year yeah, uh, yeah. In, in that mess of a game when they, when the Eagles knocked everybody out, but uh, yeah, so he'll be, he'll be competing with Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown for the primary mm-hmm. backup role behind Lamar. So that's where he ended up. Uh, he ends up, he's, he's yeah, good for him, man. Like, like the guy's hung around a long time in the league. So he was at the Ravens in 16 and 21. This is the right, third time right. he's been there. Hey, well, if anybody's point. willing to pay, if anybody's willing to pay you or take you on, by all means, take your shot. Yep, you know, I'm with you. What, what is he? What is he? Thirty seven now. Yes. Okay, so he's in the twilight of his career. He understands that. If I can get one more mm-hmm. paycheck out of it, one more paycheck, just one more paycheck, by all means, I'm going to do it. Let's face it. When you're talking about backup quarterbacks in the National Football League, how many of these guys should not even be playing in the National Football League? No doubt. But but that product is so watered down that there's a dire need for training camp competition, mini camp competition. And let's face it. I can't wait to see if this happens. You know, we keep hearing rumors about the NFL now wants to put several teams over in Europe. Really? You don't have enough quarterbacks to play in the national football league as it is. Now you want to water down the product even more so and put several more teams in Europe. Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I laugh when I hear this, these expansion talks, like it's one thing if you want to move a team. Okay. But expansion you don't have enough, especially that no. that position. Like no. football, there's not enough quarterbacks. Baseball, there's not enough pitching. You know, we, we, basketball, you know, whatever. It's it, yeah, it's all watered down, but it's all money grab. That's all it ever is, man. It, it's just it's more. You know, the players are in favor of it because it's more jobs. There's more revenue to be grabbed uh, from an ownership standpoint. Yeah, it's it's yep. Uh, yep. it's hilarious. All right, let's uh, let's step away. Let's come back. Uh, we'll hit a bunch of different things, Derek. Uh, among them, we'll get back into the uh, into the NBA discussion because uh, there's a lot of different things to hit. Carmelo Anthony retires, and we'll talk about maybe where he ranks uh, as an all-timer. We'll be mixing a bunch of other stuff. We'll get some good birthdays, some good movies. I have it on this date for you as well. We'll hit all of it mm. when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Razor Technology and Managed IT Services. Razor Technologies comprehensive managed service provider solution delivers constant monitoring, on-demand assistance, and rapid issue resolution. Through data-vetted and insight-driven implementation, they strengthen their existing IT resources with both human power and expertise that reduces security risks and downtime while enhancing organizational efficiency and productivity. They are a strategic resource for adaptive and fast-growing companies that need help selecting, implementing, and managing their IT services. Their goal is always bigger than one project, one problem, or one upgrade. 
It's improving the overall functioning of their partners and helping them achieve their business objectives through their ongoing synergistic relationship. Give your IT team the freedom to refocus by augmenting their reach with Razor Technology. Contact Razor Technology today to learn how their managed services can protect and enhance your business by calling 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Final segment of the show, man. Time flies when you are having fun. That's for sure. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're hanging out with you. All right. Uh, Carmelo Anthony calls it quits. Derek, uh, mm. quite a career. 10-time All-Star. 28, more than 28,000 points. Uh, he won three gold medals representing Team USA. He did not win an NBA championship. 
Uh, you know, he's a guy, I wouldn't say he's, he's controversial necessarily. I don't know that he gets necessarily the, the, a respect that maybe some others do because, you know, he, he was always a very good rebounder, but he wasn't always the best defender. And he was a guy who always looked to get his, you know, he was kind of a fill it up sort of guy. Um, but I, I yeah. give him credit. It's hard to be a scorer in that league for as long as he was. I mean, really hard, nice career, really nice career. I All mean, and, uh, 19 years in the league, you, you can't overlook that. Um, I think um, in a lot of cases, um, I thought some there were times he could have made those around him better. Yeah. And, and I think his game was many times more individual than it was complimentary. Um, but you know what? That that was his style of play. He he was what he was. Uh, very good uh, on both ends of the court when he had to be. Um, I don't think he'll ever go down remember this one of the greatest because he didn't win enough hardware. You know, let's face it. In that game, you win the hardware, everybody remembers your name, you know. Um, but you're right. I'll agree with this. You're right. I do think he had a Hall of Fame career. Now, will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Don't know. But yeah. I do think you'll get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And and look, as far as uh, Team USA basketball, I mean, the guy the, the guy was a great international player, like big time. And you go back to yeah. his, the one year he played at Syracuse, you know, he, his freshman year, they won it. He was on that team that won it uh, with Hakeem Warwick and yep, yep. Jerry McNamara and all those teams. So it had some money, money shots in that game too. So yeah, Carmelo Anthony hangs it up uh, again, 28, more than 28,000 points in his career. So we, we talked about the Celtics series um, and the heat being up three Oh, and that series will continue tomorrow. But tonight, Derek, the, uh, the Lakers look to stave off elimination. You know, this just looks to me like, unlike the Celtics who, who, I think got in their own head. We're worried about the refs and they're getting out coached and all that. It just feels like Denver just has more, you know, and when they have to go to a gear, they have to find a gear in this, in this series, in these games, they can go to it. Like Jamal Murray's been insanely awesome. And they did a really good job. The Lakers did on Joker most of the game the other night, but then in the fourth quarter, he's the one who, who just, you know, broke their backs, so to speak. The, the the Lakers have have lost by six, five, and eleven points, and in all three games they rallied. They fell behind. They rallied to get back in it. They've taken leads. They just can't sustain it. I, I I think it comes down to Denver is just the more talented team. Denver is just the more versatile team. Denver has the better collection of shooters. Denver has. Has been shooting out of their mind, and Jamal Murray shows up when he has to. Jamal Murray just takes over at points of games when he has to. A lot of it funnels through Jokic, but J- Jamal Murray to me is is a much a star of that team as Jokic is. You know, there's no question about it. Yep. Um, and and I think if I'm the Lakers, I'm sitting there going, "What else are we supposed to do? You know, we did everything we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We did everything we've done the previous series." Unfortunately, this time it's not working. All you can go out there and do is give it your best shot and stave off elimination tonight. But I, I think if the Lakers are being honest with themselves, they are outmanned in this series. For as yeah. as much as they, 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 they had to rally the last 11 games of the season just to get a, in a playoff situation. And then they've gone through where they are to get to where they are now. You just ran into a buzzsaw. 
Um, yeah, and I think they win tonight. I actually do. I, do I don't think really? goes, yeah, yeah, I think the Lakers win tonight, Derek. And uh, I, mean, I, think, I think it ends. You go back to Denver for five, and I think it's over. But I think I they do know. win. I, I, I think, think they summon Denver's, enough to win this one. But it, I hey, think look. Denver's in a hit. I really do. I think Denver's in a hit right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, would I be shocked if, if Denver finished them off? No, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I also think Michael Malone's a really good coach, too. I think he's done a real nice job with them um, in general. So, yeah, and then and then tomorrow, uh, it, it, you know, tomorrow, man, I can't say confidently I feel like the, the Celtics are going to stay alive in that. I just – I don't feel that way at this point. Um, that game was – that game yesterday was the defining game in, in, in what the Celtics – to me, what their mindset is right now. Yeah. That they have been billed as this complete team. They were billed as the deepest team in the East. They were considered the team that had the best collection of sharpshooters. And I just think Miami just said, oh, excuse me, excuse me, we're not afraid of you. We're going to out-physical you. We're going to outplay you. We're going to outshoot you. Miami has beaten Boston at their own game in every phase of the game. And that that display last night, especially after they missed those 12 consecutive threes, yeah, was the epitome of where Boston's mindset is right now. They're going to go out to the they're going to go out to court. They're going to give it an effort tomorrow, but I think Boston already knows they're defeated. They ran into the wrong team at the wrong time right now. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It just feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it just feels yeah. like that's where this it's inevitable. Uh yeah. there's no question about that. Um, a couple other things that I that I wanted to hit with you. I I, I want to get back to that, but why don't we do some birthdays and we'll do some movies and then we'll, uh. and we'll get back. All right. Uh birthdays. Novak Djokovic, uh one of the great yeah. tennis players who's ever lived, uh, is 36 years old today. Naomi Seven, Campbell. Oh, 17 Grand Slam titles in his career. <sighs> 17. Oh. Wait, right now he's currently the number one player in the world. In so, I mean, he's still going strong. Like, usually guys are cooked by this point in tennis. And he's 36. Yeah. He's going strong, man. Um, speaking of strong, Naomi Campbell, 53 years old today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, moving on. Jennifer uh, Goodwin, I believe is how you pronounce it, is 45 years old, the actress mm-hmm. today. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Derek yes. was born on this day, 1907, uh, the actor. Four-time Academy Award winner. Yeah, Great he's, actor. He's the guy. He's a standard for a lot of the, you know, modern folks now, for sure. Uh, Maggie Q, the actress, is 44 today. Hey, strong. Yes, yes, strong. yes, yeah. yes. Uh, Bernie Taupin, who is the songwriter for Elton John. You know, El- so the way they their, their uh, collaboration, Derek, Bernie Taupin wrote all the lyrics and yep. Elton John wrote all the music. So Bernie would give him a sheet of lyrics. He would sit down at the piano, arrange it, put all the music to it. It was like magic with those two. I mean, unbelievable. Just incredible run mm-hmm. with those two. He's 73 today. Uh, the singer Morrissey is 64 years old today. Uh, Harvey Milk, who was a politician in San Francisco, who was uh, assassinated, openly uh, openly gay politician back in those days, uh, which was a you know huge thing. Uh, Allison Eastwood, who's Clint Eastwood's daughter, is mm-hmm. fifty one today. The NBA player Laurie Markkinen, who had an excellent year with the Jazz, is twenty six today. Uh, Mike Breen, the broadcaster, ABC, ESPN. Uh, you'll hear him in he's are they what series are they they're doing the West Coast. 
They're mm. doing the Lakers and the, uh, you'll hear them tonight, Lakers and Nuggets with Mark Jackson and, and Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, Paul Winfield, who was a great actor in his own right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, born in 1939. Been, was in a ton of stuff, man. A, a lot of stuff over the years. Really, really good. Played Martin Luther King uh, in, in, yeah, a, in a miniseries. It was excellent. Johnny Gill, the singer, 57 years old today. Um, Tommy John, probably more famous yeah. for his surgery yeah. than, a, than a really good pitching career, which is crazy because he had a good he had a good career as a player. He played 26 years. I know, right? 26 years in the majors. Man, unbelievable. Um, what else? That's all I got. Uh, all I got uh, actors. Let's see. I'll Arthur. start with our Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You know who that is? I do not. He, he's the one who created the character Sherlock Holmes. Oh. He was a physician turned author. He wrote four novels and 56 short stories about Sherlock Holmes and made Sherlock Holmes as popular as it still is today wow. in movies. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, Sean Gunn, no relation to me. Was in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's 49. Ann Cusack, who's the sister of John Cusack. She's an actress. She's 62. Okay. Uh, Molly Efren. Did you ever watch the show The Last Man Standing? Yeah. I love that show. She's from Philadelphia, you know. Oh, played. She played the daughter of Mandy Baxter. The dark hair was smart, smart mouth one all the time. Oh, yeah. She's good. She is funny. She's really good. She's 37 now, if you can believe that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Michael Constantine, who played in... uh, my big, uh, big fat Greek wedding. Oh, he the was hustler. the father, right? Wasn't yep. he the father? The father, the juror. He's from Reading, PA also. I did not know that. He was born on this day in 1927. Okay. Uh, let's see who else we got. Marcus Dupree, uh, the former f- football player, outstanding college football player. Yep. What a tragic story once he tried to get in the NFL. You know. Yeah, he tried um, to come out early, and yeah, he, yeah. He, he, I think he sued um, – either fo- the NFL or the NCAA. I, I, yeah, it, t- it became a whole thing, and he didn't have much of a career at all. No, he didn't. I think he had injuries and he had legal problems. Yeah. I think he's. I think um, he got it together, and I think he's, you know, been, had a productive life and everything, but I think it was yeah. it was a tough road for him for a while. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Olson. You remember the name Johnny Olson? Sounds familiar. The announcer. You know, he was always oh. announcing Bob Bar- for Bob Barker. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, yeah, he was born on this day in 1910. And he's he still around? No, no, he's not, he's oh, not around. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He passed away in 1985, but he was born in 1910. Yeah, he was famous, that um, guy, for sure. And actor Michael Kelly, who's from Philadelphia also, is 54 years old today. Okay. All right, good is ones. It? All right. All right, let's do movies. There's a lot. All right, so, Derek, on this day, 1985, Rambo First Blood 2 was released. <laughs> Which I, is actually my favorite of the Rambos. I like it better than the first one. So I like the last one. I, I like the. You talk about the one where he he has to go to oh, back to he has to go, go to Mexico, go to Mexico. To get his, yeah, his niece or whatever she yep. was or his daughter. Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked I this. So two, he goes back to Vietnam to get POWs. Yep, that's <laughs> so. Anyway. Now which which one was the one where he uh, ended up in the woods somewhere like in the forest of Washington? That was one. Police- that was one. That and was police, one. He's okay, in like one. either Utah or Washington. He, yeah, that was one. And I like the one where he had to go get these missionaries. I think it was Camp Vietnam or somewhere like that. Yes. He had to go get yes. all these, Michigan, these missionaries who who went there. Yeah. He didn't want to do it. And all of a sudden, uh, 
Dude, the action Richard Credit, Richard Credit, oh, like for yeah, 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 it was, oh, it was his commander, yeah. You got so body parts blowing everywhere. Oh, oh yeah, the over the over under on kills is, is oh. high in those movies. Uh, Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise, nineteen ninety six. Night yep. at the uh, Smithsonian, which is the Ben Stiller uh, yep. movie, two thousand nine. Uh, Indiana Jones, the the uh, the Kingdom of Crystal Skull, which was yep. 0, 08, I believe. Yep. Uh, came out fear and loathing in las vegas 1998 survived the night 2020 alien 3 uh 1992 i love that movie uh, very good i like all through all the for the first three or was there four i don't know the first uh, three were really good. i don't know then they have spinoffs I, I can't i can't keep it with that stuff yeah and then i got about schmidt with nicholson uh oh two did you did you have any mm. other ones 2000 yeah the, the incredible hulk movie came out in 1998 you had a poltergeist movie I think that was the final installment. It came out in okay. 2015. And then Tomorrowland also came out in 2015. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah, not bad. I mean, they were that that's actually this is a pretty good movie day. Uh yeah, it was. you know, all things considered. Really, it's the month terrible. of May. What do you expect, dude? I I forgot. That's right. Well, it, you know what it is though, like seriously, this is when you start you get get just ahead of it on Memorial mm-hmm. Day weekend. Back back when people used to go to the movies a ton. Yep. Now it's different, but that's what you would do. You'd get you'd get your summer blockbuster out right now. And Tone says there's a new Indiana Jones movie out right now. There is. There really? is. Yeah. Yeah. Who's it's, in that movie? But it's still Harrison Ford. Are you serious? Yeah. Harrison Ford's in his 80s now. It's crazy. But yeah. Wow. I, I saw him promoting it. I didn't see it, but I saw him promoting it. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> wow, I'm shocked. Hey man, if if it, they think it's gonna make money, they will figure it out. Now, I can't wait to see it, but I'm not going to the movies to see it. See, I still got to see the Fast 10. I'm still waiting to catch up to see the last John Wick 4. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, everybody said the movie is great. I'll wait till that comes out on demand. I won't go see that one. Yeah. But there's a couple of other movies I can't think of right now that are out in the theater also that intrigue, that are piquing my interest I might go see. Well, see, I, I, my, my son, when I get birthday gifts, Rob. Yeah. I tell my kids, give me Cabela's cards. I live at Cabela's. Give me right. Cabela's cards. Right. But my son flips the script. He's got to be different all the time. He gives me Fandango movie cards. So right now I got a couple hundred dollars worth of Fandango movie cards. Someone say, all right, let's go see some movies here. I ain't paying for them. So take you know, take the kids, whoever wants to go. I'll go watch the movies. I got about four or five worth of You can never go wrong up. with that. It's a great gift. In my opinion, yeah. you, can't, you can't go wrong. I mean, seriously, that's a that's a great way to go. Uh, all right. Speaking of gotten to go, we got to go. Uh, Want to thank right. Tone to Shields, Tone. Excellent work, my friend. As always, appreciate your Tone producing the the uh, program. Thanks to everybody in the chat section. You guys are the best. Thanks for all the interaction. Uh, everybody streaming, everybody listening. We appreciate. It. Tell a friend. You can watch it anytime. You can listen at any time. Just go back. Uh, I can always YouTube the show, or you can go back to Jacob Sports. Uh, dot com and take a listen to the program as well so uh don't go anywhere we have the national football show with dan Cilio coming your way next eric and i are back with you tomorrow same place same time everybody have a great monday we will see you manana thanks go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win Go to Ocean.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.